They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, we're working on getting that longer, by the way. So I told Narco already to make that longer, but Narco is having his dinner right now. And we are joined by Mark Muncy. And dude, welcome to the show. This is Coquina Cowboys, a show that I do with Narco Longo. And we focus all on Florida stuff. Weird Florida, historic Florida. And there's something about Florida, right? I just told you that I did that episode with Stacy Brown Jr. Shout out to him. The skunk ape experiments, and we were talking about opening portals. If Florida is another dimension, what is going on? And here to tell us about some of the local lore and myths is Mark. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, man, it's great to be here. So it's uh, following in Stacy's footsteps as always. So which is always fun. He's he's always like one step ahead of me on a podcast. So it's, <laughs> it's good though. So Stacy, when you're listening to this while you're Uber driving and you're getting mad because you're not on this episode, I'm sorry, but you know. So if you're listening to this and your Uber driver, this handsome guy with lots of lots of hair is suddenly gripping the wheel a little tighter, you'll know, you know, that's Stacey Brown. So. Awesome. And we have already read one of your stories on air. We oh. we did an episode actually on it and it, oh, it inspired. It. Yes, it did. It did pretty well. Those people can check it out. The gnomes of Mock Tower in oh, Lake yeah. Wales. They're crazy, man. That was one of the craziest stories uh, that put us on the map. That was one of the first ones that uh, just came out of nowhere. Um, I was a uh, I was running a haunted attraction at the time, and we based it all on local lore and legends. And it was out of St. Petersburg, and it was called Hellview Cemetery because the lost cemeteries of Tampa Bay, which everybody at the time didn't know about. It was just you know us historians and folklorists, and um, and one of them was called Hillview. So of course I had to change it to Hellview for you know Tales from the Crypt style for our haunted house. But um, one of we had a little email box on our website that said, you know, email us your stories so we can put them in the haunted house. And this wonderful email came. Now, to give you internet time, this was an AOL address and a GeoCities website. So that'll kind of 
set your way back machine a little bit. Um, and then I got this letter from this little old lady and it was super sweet. And she was talking about how in the 1940s, she grew up on this farm outside of Bach tower, which is, you know, a crazy place in and of itself. It's, you know, iron mountain, uh, which, you know, for Florida, it's called iron mountain, even though it's only 200 feet above sea level, but, but it is bigger than space mountain. Uh, but, um, and it, and it has a lot of weird properties and supposedly it was created because a meteor hit there, uh, in prehistoric times. So odd things go on there. They're right near it is spook Hill, which is our gravity Hill where, you know, you go down a small Hill and then head up the big Hill. But if you park in the base between the two Hills and you put your car in neutral, you will go backwards up the small Hill defying gravity. It's, it's a great, it's an optical illusion, but you know, it's, it, it, it's one of those, it, it's pretty cool when you experience it. And of course the school there is Spook Hill Elementary. So Casper the Friendly Ghost is their mascot because they embrace the weird. But you know, the whole town, Lake Wales, where Bach Tower is, always known for this weirdness. Now Bach Tower is a big bell tower uh, that was created by a you know strange investor who bought Iron Mountain and decided he wanted to make it a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. Garden of Eden, uh, like so many that come down here keep wanting to build the Garden of Eden in Florida. Uh, cause they're all convinced this is where it was. Um, and, uh, this guy builds that tower and there, but what's cool about it is there's all these farms around it for miles. And, you know, you are up on this hill and you're looking out over flatland. So you can see for miles and you see the tower for miles, but this little lady sent us this email saying she grew up in the Shadowbach tower and her farm was attacked by little people. And I'm like, what, what do you mean little people? And so I emailed her back and finally gave her a call and she was telling me this story about this night in the 1940s where she grew her aunt owned a farm right in the shadow of Bach tower right behind it. And, um, and one night they were noticing all their fruit was being stolen and they thought, Oh, who's stealing our fruit? Probably fruit rats, but it could be, you know, anybody. So they set up traps and the traps, what they thought caught was, uh, they thought they were going to catch fruit rats, and what they caught was a little man. Uh, mm. He was naked, covered in hair, so that's why I knew it wasn't a baby. Uh, but she remembers him vividly. He was screaming at him in a language they didn't understand, caught in this rat trap, basically. Um, you know, old school, so he was hurt. Uh, so they called the, the, the police, and the police show up. Um, and they're obviously like, well, this guy is obviously not stealing your fruit. He's less, you know, he's just over a foot tall. He's probably a circus performer from Ringling or something like that. You know, uh, you know, because the circus is all wintered down here. Uh, so the, the, you know, it wasn't completely uncommon, uh, to have little people in the area. So they, um, so they, but they let him go. They are like, this guy is, you know, he's not hurting anybody. He's not too hurt. And that was it. Uh, but uh, but anyway they thought that was it they set up more traps and then they caught him again and this time they caught him with an orange that was as big as him uh so they called the police again the police come and grab him but they can't put him in handcuffs so she vividly remembers them putting him in an orange crate to take him away which has got to be you know that one of those great visuals from a story and um and they wheel him off and that's when all hell breaks loose because literally the orange grove comes alive and starts attacking them. These branches, oranges, rocks are being thrown at their farmhouse. She re- described it as being like a war zone. And um, when they get out there, they see there are dozens 
of these little people running through the orange groves, throwing stuff at them. And so that's when the police show back up. They haven't been able to translate anything this guy says, and they let him go. They just, you know, let him loose, and then they run off. And that should be the end of the story. But, and it should have been like, what is this? This is crazy. Of course, it never happened. Nobody really knows what happened. But years pass. The haunted house finally goes, you know, belly up because, you know, the city of St. Pete shut us down. And I start doing these books and I start looking back into these stories. And I, of course, want to reach back out to this old lady, but she had long since passed. Um, And I'm like, well, I'll never verify this story. I, I guess we'll never be able to write about it. But I start reaching out and this time it's a bit more modern era and I reach out on social media and I reach out to people in a group, you know, you grew up in Lake Wales when, and I post in there and said, Hey, does anybody remember this weird thing about, you know, arresting a, a small person in the forties? <laughs> and I got a civilian employee of the police department remembered it and remembered the incident vividly and him coming in, in the orange crate. And um, so now, like I said, Lake Wales loves creepy stuff and they embrace their weird. So they are desperately trying to find the arrest records and the days reporting and all the logs of that. Uh, And they've got people digging to try to find this. And they found one police report mentioning the disturbance and the orange thefts and that they brought So there's a a police report on this? There is a police report that there is a suspect brought in for questioning of unusually diminutive, <laughs> diminutive height is how they put it in the report. Because I'm, so, I'm the homunculologist around here, and I'm known for the homunculus, the alchemical homunculus. And our uh, hypothesis was that Mr. Edward Bach was some sort of wizard, perhaps, and this was his little homunculus or civilization of homunculi, I don't know, running around. And maybe that's what it was, some sort of, you know, every wizard has a tower. You have the Bach Tower or castles, right? And you have the Edward in Coral Castle. So very interesting. And and so there is an actual police report of this. Do you have a there copy is, of that? They, they, they do have a document at Lake Wales uh, Police Department, and they are trying to back it up with further corroboration. That's the thing. They, they've got one document that doesn't exactly say it, so it's one of those they're trying to find more. Uh, of course, if you were a detective in the 1940s, you didn't want to write this down. Come on, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, the family said that uh, one of their farmhands uh, told them that it was uh, red hats, that they had offended the gnomes, you know, the fae, and that they needed to make an offering. And to do that, they needed to get a blessed rock from Ireland that would protect them. And this family apparently did send for that rock, according to the little lady. And um, and they got that in the 19, you know, late 1940s, uh, got the rock sent to them, blessed by an Irish priest. And uh, it was in their orange grove. And, it, and that orange grove is still there. And uh, there are no more reports of gnomes. So maybe it worked. But what's funny is the orange grove is now owned by a corporation and I'm not allowed to say the name of the corporation, mm. but it, it rhymes with uh, Shmopakana, so it could be any of them. Uh, but uh, but they gave us permission to go out and drive on that property to look for that rock, and we were following the little old lady's instructions, and it's very cool. Yeah, but they were from 1990-something, uh, 97, 98 probably in that area, 
and we're trying to follow those instructions and it's, you know, it's dirt roads. It's an old orchard. The fact that it's still cool dirt roads driving through an orange orchard with Bach tower on the side, it must've been just like driving through Florida in the thirties. You get mm-hmm. that same feel from it. Uh, but the area that we took the turns for, we were like, Oh gosh, this is it. And there are all these weird boxes. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are all these boxes? And, uh, and we were about to stop. I'm like, I wonder if they're still celebrating the rock or something like that. And we were about to get out, but that's where they keep their bees. Interesting. So, so we will not be getting out there. So we, we decided not to get out, but we were still pretty cool that we had had little, very, you know, little verifications for that story. So that's led us to actually publish that one, which was, yeah. Nice. But I like to just publish one and dones. I like to have, they got to have at least two points of verification. Otherwise I won't put run with it because that's one thing when you're taking these stories and i listen to i have friends that have podcasts that are about weird stories about people calling in and, and telling their encounters and i know you've had an encounter with a skunk ape or a, a, a bigfoot type-esque creature and my whole thing with that is i've never experienced anything like that as far as paranormal goes but how can you even determine if somebody's full of shit or not? Because, I mean, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who want to get exposure, who are going to who are going to approach you like, oh, this dude's writing a book. I want my clout. How is there anything like studying their cues of how they move or how they talk? Because you're actually going and interviewing people, which is awesome that you're getting these first hand accounts instead of like me. I'm, when I'm doing research, I'm going off secondhand stuff. A lot of these places, they translate, you know, when I'm doing my esoteric or occult research, it's a lot of Latin and all these different things that they translate. I'm not a translator, so I have to depend on other researchers who have translated these works. But is there anything that you take into account when you're going in and interviewing somebody for something of this nature, like the paranormal? Well, like when I go into it, uh, I really do try to just first off, I'm a storyteller. So I want to hear the story from them. So that when I relay the story, I've got the story, you know, how they tell it. And, 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 you know, to, you know, and as a storyteller, you look for the tells, right. The, the things are, Oh, they're, they're thinking about it. They're looking up They're you know, they're doing the weird pauses because they, you know, they know this is, that's the kind of stuff where you go, okay, you know, there, you know, there's something going on, but the ones who will stare at you and be like, look, I know this sounds crazy, but, this is how it happened. And then you go, okay, this is something worth interesting. This is definitely, they saw something they can't explain. Um, I, and I'm not a quick one to jump to paranormal or supernatural. I am very much a, um, a very much a, I want to, people saw something they don't understand and maybe someday we can understand it. So I like to get that. I like to call it preternatural stuff. We don't understand yet. Uh, but yeah, the, the, there are the tells. And then you can tell the ones that really had something shake them visibly. They get, you know, the goosebumps on the arms while they're talking to you. They shiver. They're afraid to tell you. And, um, you know, those are the ones that you sit there and go, okay, something happened here. You know, and, you know, and that's that's the ones you really like. Those are the ones that draw me in. Um, but again, then I look for a second source. Mm-hmm. One person saw it. Hey, great. That's an encounter. You You saw something you don't understand. But if there was a second person with them or third or fourth or if it happened again, like a week later, a day later, somebody else saw it. Same thing, independent of each other. That's when it is gold. That's when you're talking, Okay, now we've got independent verification. Um, 
and as long as I've been doing this, you know, which now I'm the freaky Florida guy, you know, the creepy Florida guy, I get a lot of emails from people all over saying, Hey, I saw this weird thing. And they go into a file on my emails, you know, that I'm like, I'll, I'll look at it. I'll read them. I do read every one. Uh, but then every once in a while I'll get two or three from three different people who don't know each other mm. describing the exact same event from a different angle. And that's the stuff where I go, great. I got to reach out to Stacy Brown team or a outcast paranormal or, you know, whatever team is in the area that I know fits that what UFO team, Bigfoot team, UFO, t- you know, skunk ape team, whatever. Uh, I reach out to them and then say, Hey, and if you don't mind, I'm going to hang along, you know, cause I'd like to, get you know some of that too but you know as a 50 year old epileptic i can't go on all the skunky punts and all that but, yeah and and i have i have a respect for for that type of stuff as far as the paranormal goes and i don't know if it's my christian background or not but whenever i was raised that you know we have this filter and there's something about florida energetically that is really not only does it attract people and i look at florida as this sort of and maybe there is a Ben Ben Stone or something, you know, waking up an analog here. Uh, there, there is something drawing people in because if you really think about it, Florida is like this alchemical vessel where people come here to transcend to the next time. They come here to die. Okay, they come here to retire, to wind down. And there's something just pulling them through. And I have a buddy of mine, Gabe, a slick dissident, where he talks about tarot Tories. And coincidentally, Florida is on the death card. So it's it's all about death. We have the oldest Florida in the United the oldest Florida, the oldest city in the United States, which is St. Augustine. And there's something here. There's also the one of the tips of the Bermuda Triangle here as well. And all the Henrys, we've covered the Henrys extensively, and we're gonna continue to be covering the Henrys extensively because that's what we talk about here on this channel. And there's something about right, these robber barons that were coming down, and I believe that they knew something about the land, something that they were able to tap into. And let's not forget that Disney does not buy unvaluable land. They don't buy or invaluable. They don't buy land that's not valuable. They are strategically placing their land in places where I believe energetically it's something about the land where, I mean, look at it. It's the most magical place on earth. Well, that that's very weird wording to be and i went yeah. this past weekend i went with my family and i was just looking around man and i saw some occult stuff and i'm just like it was like a stargate looking thing i posted on my instagram where they you know they did a whole show at the end they were just flashing a bunch of stuff and i'm like dude they're stealing people's souls and here i am participating in this ritual there's, there's a lot of buildings out there that the the public does not see that are designed so esoterically uh, famously, the they, where they have their credit union headquarters, it's right off of I-4, and it's just kind of on the edge of Disney property, and it was designed by a, um, a Chinese architect uh, who designed a lot of Epcot. So you see all those weird buildings at Epcot. This guy also designed the swan and the dolphin, which have the swans mm-hmm. and the dolphins that look nothing like swans and dolphins. Uh, but this guy, he was very into ley lines and stuff like that, so he built these buildings but that bank building has a sundial. It's like one of the world's largest sundials. Which building is this? So I can pull Uh, it it up. It's uh, I believe it's just called the cast member. um, Oh, it was the, it was the credit union headquarters back in the nineties. I'm not sure what they use it for now, but it is no longer public accessible. Um, But it has this giant sundial with a stone garden in the middle of it. That's just open sky and it has amazing echoes in it. I remember, you know, cast member days, that was always the place we went to just, you know, crash. Cause yes, 
we all worked for the mouse at some point down in Florida. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, it's this beautiful building and, uh, it definitely has, uh, some odd vibes when you get there. And, uh, um, you know, and, you know, and it's right along the ley line, Casadega is less than 20 minutes away. We, you know, a whole town founded by psychics that, you know, has more psychics and witches per capita than even Salem. And nobody knows about it. Nobody goes there. And it's, you know, incredible. Is it this? That's it. it. Team Disney. Team Disney building. Interesting. Look at this. And it reminds me of the Coral Castle, the intricate sundial that he has there as well. And I want to run some, some ideas about Coral Castle maybe a little bit later. And for those that don't know, we're going to be probably doing about an hour, hour and a half. And then the last 30 minutes, we're going to give the chat a chance to ask some questions maybe. So start thinking of some questions to come up with that we can ask Mark here to see if he if he does know it all about Florida. So, But this is very, very interesting. Yeah, that building itself, like I said, is no longer accessible except only to cast members. If you, I think there was one just... A little further down the outside of that's it there on the bottom middle yeah look at that so uh again weird architecture weird design not what you'd expect for just some cast member building right uh got the was, cube here of course right mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, with the yeah. mickey mouse well, the hidden mickeys all about the hidden Mickey, the three circles <laughs> you know gotta have the trinity so it's um and that's you know the way it's uh, there and that's just one of them of course that was right after epcot and right before the Swan and Dolphin when this was built. So, um, so that guy, you know, you know, they, they, Disney hired the right people to build this stuff. And, um, you know, and and that's just part of it. I mean, the whole land of Kissimmee, we're only recently figuring out what that word means, Mm -hmm. uh, because the native tribe that it came from was of course wiped out. And, um, but what we're hearing now is, um, uh, Al Goingbacks, like one of my favorite people in the world. He's a, Bram Stoker winning author, lifetime achievement Bram Stoker winner. He's also a seminal medicine man. Uh, he was the groundskeeper of Greenwood Cemetery in Orlando for like 10 years. This guy is just incredible. And he's my go-to whenever I get a folklore story from, you know, that has any native mythology or native spiritualism in it. I call him and say, Hey, is this real? Or is this bogus? You know, who, you know, is this just some internet crap? <clears throat> and he'll look at it and give me some verifications of it and stuff like that. And one of the things that we've learned recently is, you know, town of Orlando, everybody debates about where that name came from was the first mayor of Orlando was a fan of Shakespeare or interesting. Supposedly there was a guy who died there uh, named Orlando and that's where the cemetery was founded. So they'd go here lies Orlando. So that's became the town Orlando. We don't really know. It's, it's all folklore. There has been no historical, we can't find that grave. We don't know anything of, you know, if that mayor was just a fan of Shakespeare but, but out of out of everybody to Shakespeare, right? Right. <laughs> one, right. one of the and shadiest of the characters, characters in history. Yeah, of all the Shakespeare characters, Orlando, really? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's the name of city after that? Well, sure, why not? Um, Florida, we can't have nice things. Everything changes its name when it gets here. Bigfoot becomes skunk ape. You know, it's, you know, it's all that stuff. But anyway, Kissimmee, um, the, we, we think we figured it out. And it's one of those, it's one of those, the tale is so dark. Um, there was, uh, during the native, uh, relocation act, you know, the Indian relocation act, it was, you know, push them out of Florida. And if you can hold the land for, for three years, you can keep it. And so all the settlers start booming in and bringing in the gunmen to chase everybody away. And, um, and so 
what they would do is they would massacre the men and do terrible things to the women and children and and chase them away. Well, the there is no word Kissimmee in any of the native languages of that time that anybody can find. And um, but according to early settlers, oh, they told them that's the name of this river is Kissimmee. Well, we found a native folklore tradition that says that what happened was is when the white men came and started ravaging these villages they would ravage the women and kill the men so the indians of that era had no word for you know the r word for forcing themselves on another person right uh I don't know what language level we can go on on the show. So I'll, I'll stick with that. So I'm used to talking for high school. I'm so with I you. Have... I'm with you. <laughs> All right. So anyway, they didn't have a word for that. So that, uh, that atrocity. So when they came to this one village on this river, one of the native ladies came out to offer herself up as a sacrifice to spare the others. And she was trying to speak to them in their language, which was English. And so she was telling them, kiss me, kiss me. And they oh. took that to be the name of the river and the name of the village and then did terrible things and chased them off uh, or murdered them. But so the happiest place on earth is probably based on a massacre. Yeah. And the whole, again, back to the Henry, somebody said here, so many can't pronounce, is it Kissimmee or Kissimmee? Or like, how do you, how are you supposed to say it? I don't. Depends on, you know, it's just like Appalachia or Appalachia. Depends on which part of the mountains you're in. Kissimmee, if you're in Kissimmee, it's it's Kissimmee. And Mm. then if you're from, you know, in older Florida, it's Kissimmee. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it, it could go either. It can go any way. It's honestly, there really isn't a right way to pronounce it because we don't know. You know, it's a word yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the back to the Henry's, because you're talking about atrocities and, and dark history, yeah. the, the dark foundations of and this goes I mean, this is all over the United States, if we really think about it. And they did wipe out uh, a lot of the indigenous people. Uh, it was a genocide. Forcing them to move here. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, we chased them down here because Florida was just swamp and bugs and terrible. It was the last frontier. And yeah. one of the things that really blew my mind was when they were making, when they were building their railroads, because the state was giving them credits of thousands and thousands of acres for building every one mile that they got done. They would come across these burial grounds of the indigenous and they would take the bones and give them away as souvenirs to yeah. the workers of the time. So imagine how dark that is. And I mean, we have all the Henry's Henry Flagler, Henry plant, Henry Ford was down here. They all, all the, all, everybody was down here was popping back in the, in the early 1900s uh, with these guys. And yeah, just think about that where they were desecrating the grave sites of these people and, and literally giving away their bones. Cause back then, you know, the, the, the lure of, and it goes back to skull and bones of, if you have this, piece of this indigenous person it's almost like a sort of talisman it's a magically charged thing so it would only make sense that they would give it away and for those that are in the know they know and for those that don't they're just like hey i have this skull of this indigenous person right that's way more connected to the land than i'll ever be because i'm just here to take and and that's it right oh man yeah and there's so many you know crazy things like that you know and and you know we even to this day um, there was, a, uh, uh, there's a cemetery that's right along interstate 75, uh, right in the middle of Florida. 
And it's this old, you know, it's right near Florida National Cemetery, which is this huge, you know, it's Florida's Arlington and uh, right near Webster, Florida. And um, that place is amazing to visit. And it's it's bigger than Arlington. It's It's got more more graves in it now because, like you said, Florida's where everybody comes to die. So the military, they get buried in, you know, Florida National Cemetery. Uh, and it's mile after mile. And the reason they put it there was it was right next to the uh, the Dade battlefield which was a you know a civil war battlefield but also next to that was native burial ground and so that's why they they said all right the graves of florida national cemetery can only go so far because it's native burial ground behind it and um so we will not go any further than that well on the other side of the interstate you know miles away is this little cemetery called cal prairie cemetery so, you know, been around for who knows how long. We, the earliest graves we know that are there are from the early 1800s. And uh, there's some Civil War graves there. And they wanted to move it. They want to close it down because they want to build a gas station there for the villages, which is a big, you know, property complex here for retirement communities. And uh, they literally wanted to uh, build a gas station on that cemetery. So a few historical societies uh, are doing ground penetrating radar on it to figure out, you know, who all's buried there because it's probably older than we think uh, because all we know of are the, the headstones. And they honestly think it might be bigger than it is. Well, sure enough, as they start doing the ground penetrating radar, they find out, yeah, it's a lot bigger than we thought. It's a lot older than we thought because then they start seeing not just the casket burials, but they see the sitting burials. So it was native land too that another burial went on, you know, a, a, a settler plot went on top of what was native burial grounds. Whoa. So now it's an archeological site, but as they do more research on it, guess what? I 75 right there, apparently bulldozed right over and just didn't tell anybody that they were uncovering these berries, you know, these, these bodies back in the day when they built the interstate. That cannot so, be good for the energy in that area. And Mark, what what is one of the craziest stories as far as local legends or folklore that you that you like or that has blown your mind the most as far when it comes to Florida? Is it if it's skunk ape or cryptid or just some crazy legend? Is there one that really just makes your nipples hard? Like when you listen to it, you're like, this is crazy. You know, I gotta write about that. Okay, well, the one that drew drove us, you know, the wildest was probably uh, the Devil's Tree down in Port St. Lucie. Mm, that one's uh, dark. <laughs> that one's dark, and the more you dig into it, the darker it gets. And the fact that the legend predates the darkness is is scary. You know, when you find out people talked about it before, you know, the serial killer comes into picture. You know, it's like, well, wait, how did, what? That can't be right. No, it is. There's notes from that from the 60s and the 50s and probably even the 40s. If you look at this one note, you know, where somebody was kind of talking about this crazy tree in Port St. Lucie. And um, and it's like, wait a minute. So, because the story goes that if you, you know, you go to that tree and you collected the black sap that drips from it, it would, yeah, and use it to make your ritualistic candles. It would make your dark magics infinitely more powerful Whoa. and yeah right that's the initial story and then yeah there he is there's good old gerard fuck that uh, guy yeah, yeah please yeah. please tell me more about this 
Okay, I've so never, never heard about this. Never show. heard of it. All right, asking so, for a friend, of course, right, Narco? Was, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need to know about this, right? Uh, yeah, you know, you're not worried about that. But anyway, so this tree, you know, if it drips black sap and you collect it, like I said, that then what happens is is they tried to kill the tree, right? They decide we're going to kill it. That's the hole where the black sap drips there, and they decide let's kill the tree, so we'll chop it down. Well. The two guys they hire to cut down the tree, the second the chainsaws hit the tree, it their chainsaws stop and break. So they go to go buy more chainsaws. And then they're hit in a head-on collision and both men die instantly. Oh, shit. So the story grows. And then it becomes, oh, the reason they died was they had bits of the tree. So if you take bits of the tree, and put it in a car of somebody you don't like, like say your cheating husband or cheating girlfriend, you can get away with murder, right? Because they're going to get in a car accident. And the reason we know that didn't work is because the lady who told us that version of the story put it in her car and she was going to go put it in her chainsaw, put it in her husband's car, and she got in a car accident and almost died. So um, on the way there. So somehow you got to transport it without transporting it. It's 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 tricky. But then the city decides, all right, we're going we're gonna to poison it. That didn't work because obviously you still see it's there. Then we're going to fill that hole that drips the black sap with cement. And then that, maybe that'll kill it because it'll choke to death. But now it's growing around that, as you see. And now it's got an impervious chainsaw preventable cement trunk. So it's not going anywhere. And that's all before 1970s when Gerard John Schaefer, uh, a sheriff's deputy from Miami, who is a serial killer. Piece of shit, yeah. Twofers uh, would take them to the tree, tie them to it in elaborate rope things, and then make them decide who dies first and does terrible things to them, does terrible things to their bodies. And there was an old abandoned house near there that he used as his base of operations. Thankfully, he lost his job and he had to move north, move back in with his mom. And there, that's where he tried it again, but he was, wasn't with the tree. He wasn't with the house. So he got caught and, um, and went to jail for who knows how many people he killed. Uh, mm. He was only tried for two because they were able to find the two people that he got caught with, explain the situation. And it just so happened to be right at that time, back at the devil's tree, somebody found some body parts and they were able to piece two and two together and said, oh, this is what he was doing. And then they used matching and figured out oh the teeth that he has in his shoebox hiding in his mother's house match the names of the victim you know match the, the the victims from down there so again it blows up it brings that legend even further and cements it well the reason he got away with it for so long is because he had the tree the tree was making him do it interesting because i was going to go there i was actually going to visit that tree and i did a whole episode on the devil's tree until i learned what had actually happened there and i was like do I really want to go there? Do I really want to expose myself to this negative energy? Because that's very freaky. Yeah. For those that don't know, he was a cop and he was pulling people over and taking advantage of his position. And I never heard it from that point that the tree was the one that was, was it talking to him? Do you know if that's part of it too? Never. He never said that, but that's what, you know, the legends say now it's that, you know, he was influenced by the tree and all that. I, I think he was just a sick guy who, you know, just knew of an old abandoned place. And the fact that it happens to be the devil's tree is interesting. And then, you know, finally the city buys the land, bulldozes the house and turns it into a park. And then the trails 
don't go anywhere near the devil's tree. Uh, you have to can know ask, how to get there. So, can I ask what type of tree it was? It's an oak. It's a live oak. So, so it was just a regular live oak. Regular live oak. Nothing special. Do they do they know of any other live oaks that use black? Black sap? No. And honestly, every time I've been there, I haven't seen black sap. And uh, but every time I've been there, I have seen people putting candle wax on the roots where they've done rituals there. Wow. And, um, almost every time I've been there. And for those that want to go people, find it, there are the coordinates. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an Okamic state park in Port St. Lucie, which is a beautiful park. Highly recommend you visit it. Um, yeah, we gotta go. When you go to that area, make sure pay your respects to the victims. <clears throat> we know of two, but there are probably more. Hey, look, Freaky Florida. I know that book. Hey. Uh, <laughs> This is Mark's book for those check. Uh, we read on the gnome episode. First one, yeah. And then Freaky was the one with the devil's tree in it. So, yeah, we should have started out with that. Sorry, guys. I was uh, it's all good. on a long call, had to catch up on some dinner. But, <laughs> but yeah, as... Gerard John Schaefer, he was killed in prison by his roommate, stabbed 49 times, and both his eyes cut out. So, the guy that did it? <laughs> oh, my so, God. The guy that did wrote, the devil's tree? He was a writer. He wrote books. He said all those times he wrote, he wrote that he, he basically wrote confessions to 86 murders. And when they asked him about it, he said, Oh, I'm writing a book. And those are just how I could have done it. Sure. So that's what he published, you know, in prison, a book called killer fiction. And um, yeah, you can check it from your local library. Don't spend any money on it. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's like the cannibal cop where he was writing fictional stories and it's like (laughs) when does we know that occultist even if he was say he was an occultist doing like black magic stuff we know that that occultists occult these stories as fictional writings right we have crowley who who had family in titusville right i don't know if you know anything about that um the the crowley house is uh near in uh, mayaka uh, mayaka state park and it was the only thing that did not get destroyed in the recent flooding down there <laughs> of course. Wow. So I'll tell you something. I've spent the night in that house. It's creepy. So is this where is this where Stacy did his Yeah. Oh, dude, is yeah. that why they called it the Crowley House? I was wondering because That's where his family was. He I don't think he there's any proof that he was ever there, but that's where his family was. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, because I heard him say that and they're doing the whole ritual with trying to summon the skunk ape and he did the hymn to pan and then the other guy upstairs taking psychedelics staring into a mirror i don't know what could really come come of that but the idea that florida i've heard people say that florida is good for manifestation because of the water around it and i know we have a high water table and one of the things about water is it retains memory so the idea that they're able to tap into some sort of again energy uh, by being able to tap into the the all the memories of everything, and I mean, I don't know. Do you have any ideas on that? Well, I think you know we're, it's limestone bedrock. It's got um, you know for most of the state, uh, we do have caverns, but they're all up in the Panhandle because you know you go further down, they're not. But you know we get the sinkholes, and then we get sinkholes on top of sinkholes. Uh, my my favorite there is the another devil's term, the devil's mill hopper up in Gainesville is a sinkhole on top of another sinkhole. And, uh, and that was Tell us about that. the entrance to the underworld because when the early settlers come in, they see these strange bones down at the bottom and uh, in that swampy area down at the bottom. 
you actually go through three ecosystems there because up top is Florida scrubland. As you go down, it becomes more uh, subtropical. And then when you get down to the bottom, it is actually tropical rainforest down at that bottom. Uh, Jesus. But down there at the bottom, they had all these weird bones, right? And so they thought, oh, this these must be devils. This is the entrance to the underworld. This is the river Styx because everything is flat. And it's only the deep crevice in oh. Florida. And what those bones were, were dinosaur bones. Dinosaurs were, are fake, Mark. Come on, yeah, dude. Exactly. So, well, they it may have been dragons, may have been demon skulls. We don't know. <laughs> but uh, but most of them were taken before anybody could get there and do some real surveying. But, um, you know, but they have a native legend there that a giant alligator demon caused it. It was a... a have you, you know, ever seen the Temucua giant alligator? That's I part of the lore, no? That place? Part of that lore. The Tomo, the Tomo, the, the, there's the what, Chief Tomoki had the uh, had that and the Timucuan giant alligators that's the lore was he was uh, a demon uh, named uh, Ati have you have you seen the etching of the Timucua hunting the giant alligator yeah yes and that's near Devil's Millhopper so Mm -hmm. that was where it was found so that's why that's the legend is attributed to that where the that's insane the demon stole the princess Mm -hmm. and then the, all the warriors come to fight and uh, he summons the giant alligator to stop them. And then they can't. So they, they cut down a tree and the chieftain spears the creature with it. And that's, and, but not after losing, you know, after losing dozens of men mm-hmm. and that's supposedly the, the mouth was, mm-hmm. is that is devil's millhopper. So. so I want to ask you, cause you said the river sticks. Yeah. Did you know, um, about New Smyrna colony. I Turn... think it I think New Smyrna actually predates St. Augustine and exactly. I get a lot of trouble from St. Augustine know, people. Do you know why? Because when Turnbull got there, he said he found a Greek colony. Yep. Not that and he started a Greek colony. No, that it was already there. And then that base, you know, when the Turnbull mansion finally was destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, they you know they go down to the foundation wait, there's an older foundation and there might yeah. be an even older foundation further down, yep. but nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants what, to dig down. Why? What can I ask you? Cause that's a perfect, perfect segue. What do you think the new Smyrna old Fort Turnbull hotel, whatever they call it. Yeah. What do you think it really is origin or what, what do you have to piece it together? I think honestly, when you look at that foundation from, you know, the x-rays that they've done and everything that they have done, they were allowed to do. Uh, once they started doing ground printing, greater radar, suddenly, oh, that might damage the foundation and we can't do it anymore. What? When? Mm. How is that going to damage foundation? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, co- but you guys, Coquina, uh, there's, uh, there's a Coquina foundation there. Mm-hmm. There's, but that's built onto something. Is it a limestone, just a natural limestone bedrock that happens to be cut? in a very specific pattern, you know, no, I think there was a settlement there that originally founded and was living there. St. Augustine's founded just a little ways North about maybe 50 years later. Mm-hmm. And we have some documents of people coming this way, but didn't make it. But, you know, we do know Hernando de Soto and all those other guys were here at the time, exploring both sides of the of Florida, La Florida, and uh, or up to Appalachian, which was uh, you know up in the Panhandle, 
Um, yeah. And that's, you know, they didn't know how big this place was. So I do think Smyrna, it may not have been Smyrna, but it was definitely a colony of some sort long before St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, and now, and I think if we go down to like the Miami mystery circle down in Miami, mm-hmm. where, Miami circle, know, yeah. Yeah. Where we know that that's now we realize, Oh, we thought that was, I mean, initially they thought it was like an air conditioner drain from the sixties. And then they start mm-hmm. digging and go, Oh wait, this is older. This is older. And what are these weird holes that are randomly dug and you, and there's, well, there's no fire pit. So it can't have been a, you know, a native settlement. Yeah. Oh, well, what if they built on stilts? So do you know about the astrological alignments? Not of the, of the mystery circle. I haven't heard that. Oh, Juan, pull that up. Can you zoom in on that one? Okay. So you ready to have your mind? Yeah, give me a second. We talk, oh yeah. We, we, we've talked about the Miami circle extensively on my Go channel and, and with Juan. I'm an astrologer. <clears throat> Not only what they thought these were, were, was you're right. They thought it was a drainage pit for an old like 1890s hotel right something like that because that um that septic tank is dated to late 1800s well all those little holes in the middle they really had no idea for they just kind of guessed the ring was kind of crudely etched out by an old old primitive not primitive but uh late 1800s victorian era you know plow or whatever well, then they find out all of those holes, they tried to say were ancient post molds, right. that this was an ancient teepee. That's what they try and say that this was. Yeah. Well, you know, that it may have been used for that at some point, but its origin is far more spectacular than that. All of these holes are aligned to the 12 constellations in the, wow. in the sky. That's pretty epic. Yeah, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that. I, I I went with the post hole theory because even that was amazing because you realize if they dug a new hole every time they put in a new post, it would have mm-hmm. been, all right, so this post rotted over so many thousand years or so many hundred years and somebody did the math and they realized, all right, this would have been here five, 6,000 years if that's mm-hmm. the case. So yeah. it would have been the oldest settlement and in it's, North America. It would predate the Mayans. This is the oldest bedrock manipulation in the americas yeah it's crazy this is the oldest uh known bedrock whatever they'd call it architecture bedrock something either way it makes the you know the 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 calusa indians this amazing tribe that you know we thought were just hunter gatherers you know look how Mm -hmm. look how incredible this is And, uh, and and you know what else is they they built so close to the modern day water waterline yeah that it either would have had to have been six thousand years earlier mm-hmm. in indicating they were definitely some of the oldest people on the peninsula or they were so high high uh sophistication they were so you know advanced that mm-hmm. they could foretell flooding and storm events by days and days and days and get the heck out of there I think it's more likely that they were there when the sea level was farther out. But either way, it shows a high degree of sophistication. And some of the and, stuff they had down there, like the, the basalt axe heads that came from mm, the tribes up near Ohio and, and Lake Erie. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so there was a trading network of some sort. Yeah. You know, well, you know, that, 
even that's crazy. Florida has some of the oldest Clovis uh, bifacial tool technology. And, and they don't know how because that doesn't link up with the timeline we're given in school yeah. of people coming exactly. from, Ala- from Alaska. Yeah. It, it indicates a clear transatlantic network, right? Yeah, definitely. And it's, and that's, that's, you know, so that's one of those. Now you're asking me, you know, like my, the story that gives me tingles besides the devil's tree. The other one, it let, we'll go a cryptid on this one, but I think this is a cryptid that we can almost say definitely existed. Sure, um, and that is the the Punta Gorda turtle, um, oh. which is a, a rare I one. Wasn't expecting of... that. <laughs> Haven't heard of this. Haven't heard of this one. No. Okay, so nineteen thirty seven, Florida, Alabama hurricane comes through, and it was before we named them, so that's all we called it. it was the Florida Alabama hurricane, and it goes right up the coast, pulls an Ian, but doesn't turn into Punta Gorda. It turns, it goes straight up, strafes the Florida coast, and heads over to Alabama. Like a lot of them do. But this did that thing we saw in Ian uh, and in uh, before that Irma and all that, where it pulls the water out of mm-hmm. the bays and you know drains them because all the water's been sucked into that hurricane. And so Punta Gorda, uh, you know, Port Charlotte uh, is this area, the water gets sucked out of it. And this is 1930s. Everybody's starving. Everybody's dying because of the depression so they rush out there because they see all this seafood just literally laying there grab it grab the crabs grab the grab the oysters grab whatever you can and um and so the families are all out there and then this one family according to folklore sees a treasure chest like way out on the water line and they think "Ooh, pirate treasure or you know spanish treasure who knows but they're gonna run out it could save their family so they run out there get really deep out there and the water's still a little bit in that area, but they start, they can't break open the chest. It's right, everything. Finally, they get into the chest and it's cannonballs. So hmm. nothing really spectacular for them at the time. And, you know, still a cool historical find, but not what you're thinking about. And then the water's coming back and it comes back fast. So they have nowhere to go. They start scrambling to get back to shore. They see some high ground, looks like a hill. And they go run over to that hill and they get on it. And then the water comes. And there's like, oh, this is going to be underwater soon. We, we should go further. But then it picks up and starts floating. And they're like, oh, no, we're on an upside down boat. You know, this is, we're going to get washed out to sea still. You know, well, hopefully the water's going back to shore. Maybe we'll be survived. But then it turns against the current. And they're like, what's going on? It's family of four. And they look down and the little girl says she sees a head and flippers. And they're on a giant turtle. And it takes them to shore, saves the family. It's this amazing story. And everybody mm-hmm. says, you're crazy. They, a giant turtle can't save a family of four and all this. Well, 1962, yes, there's Carrie's illustration of it. Uh, my wonderful wife who's my the real talent of the operation. She's the illustrator. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, so uh, the story was it was a box turtle, right? Wow. Crazy little you know box turtle that does this. But to be you know it, it's it's wild and weird but then in the 1960s the u.s navy has turned port charlotte harbor into a defensive position because uh, the russians are right there in cuba we're, we're ready for them they're coming and they see a dark shape a diver's out there cleaning the harbor he sees a dark shape and reports it to naval headquarters says we got a sub coming we got you know it's enemy subs gotta be because we don't have anything in the waters so they scramble 
And what they describe is they see a 30-foot loggerhead turtle. Jesus. It would be the biggest ever recorded if if they're you know if they're accurate. because uh, most of them grow to about 18 to 20 feet as far as we know. Was it 33 20 feet? Though? feet they grow to 20 feet already. They can grow up to 20 feet. Oh, we, the largest ever captured was 17 in diameter. What's so, the name of this turtle? 17 foot what? The Punta Gorda turtle. Punta P-U-N-T-A Gorda, G-O-R-D-A. But the oh Navy God. It has divers sketch it because it was so big. And they, they were like, this is crazy. Um, so in the same harbor, 30 years later, definitely a family of four could ride on that, you know, or, or at least hold on to it, you know, for safety. Uh, so maybe the story was exaggerated, you know, or something like that. But, and that area is huge for native lore of, of turtles because wow. you know, a lot of native lore is turtles. So yeah, there's uh-huh. there's a loggerhead. This is I recently right? went to the Broward Zoo or Brevard, yeah. whichever one it is, uh, the one up here by me. I'm in Central Florida. I'm in I'm in St. Okay. Cloud actually. So the and I saw recent. I pulled it up on a stream that we did. It was a, a snapping alligator turtle, and it was the biggest alligator turtle I've ever seen in my life. And I can only imagine being you know early. 1900s the last frontier florida and you're go- and they're going through the- they're walking through the swamp and running into dinosaurs because that's a dinosaur yeah. i mean if you look at this thing, it's a freaking dinosaur look at that oh yeah yeah they're, they're you know big. what i mean like running into something like this that can will- i ask is is a loggerhead an alligator snapping turtle no a loggerhead turtle uh they're also called leatherback turtles okay so a leatherback yeah is a loggerhead um, uh, so a leather uh, leatherback sea turtle. Yeah, leatherback okay. sea turtle. So leatherback um, sea turtle. Okay. It's one of these. So this is a leatherback, right? Where it looks smooth. Yeah. See how yeah. big those get? Oh yeah, you these know, get ginormous. They, they, yeah, they can get huge. Look, yeah. you know, seventeen feet. Oh, get I've yeah. I've That's seen biggest... one on a I've seen one on the beach that was as big as a smart car. Yeah. They well, are now, huge. You know, they're even discovering a new species of turtle out there. They call it. You know, they were it was big headlines just last year as big as a shark and uh you know uh so you know how big can they grow we don't know so this one i think we can put a check mark that this one may have really happened you know you know a cryptid folklore story that look at that i mean that's yeah yeah this is wild so and that's why one time i i was partaking in some mushrooms uh, you know, the, the psychedelic kind. And I was watching a documentary <laughs> and I remember seeing a manta ray cause those things get giant too. Yeah. And oh, I go, yeah. why are we going and looking into outer space, looking for other life forms when there are literally aliens? Look at this thing. This thing is an, it's a monster and it's on how you said it's provable. It's something that there's records of it. And even even with the skunk, there's records of the Gigantopithecus where I mean that that did exist at one point. Now is it still around? That's up for debate. But yeah, this is this is fascinating. You know the the manta rays they were pulling out in like the 1920s were as big as spaceships. There's a there's a there's a picture of Teddy Roosevelt after he'd retired and he had come down to Tampa Bay to do some Mm -hmm. spear fishing. And he's got, he's got a, and he was big Teddy, you know, he's like three of me put together and he's, and he's got a, a manta ray, you know, just spread out. That's, that's insane that he caught. And it's like, 
that's mm-hmm. you know that's nuts uh teddy our beloved cryptid hunting president so <laughs> you know he went after the snallygaster and he has had a bigfoot encounter come on this he should be everybody's like oh, i'll believe it when i hear a you know a president talk about it well teddy talked about it a lot and you know mm-hmm. nobody that's that there's that picture and he's the yeah. one that implemented the the preserves right the national yep. parks act national so Park preserves because there were all these weird things he wanted to protect them these unique beauties he called them Inter- and we have abraham lincoln talking about the giants that stared well what's the quote narco you know it where he talks about the giants here oh, in the states yeah, it's, i mean the i don't know the exact quote but yeah he says the pretty much the giants that once roamed these hills and he's talking about america davy um, crockett before he went west talked about uh, you know a big hairy creature of the wilds came to him and told him don't go well, uh, and then they went to the alamo and that's his last writings was talking about this great hairy beast mm-hmm. that you know warned him can i ask you have you heard about him going to the north pole have you heard that story i have heard that story and him setting the sun back straight or that was i might that's, be conflating that with it with another that's a, found, that's a, another that's founding a, father i think that was i heard that one was a paul bunyan at one point and okay. i've heard that one attributed to a few davy crockett uh daniel boone that one uh, i've yes. heard that one make the rounds so um yeah, that one. Yeah, I did my new book series, Appalachia. So it was, you know, returning back right. to my roots. So nice. I got to hear a lot of those fun ones on the way. So that, that well, that's a good story. You know, um, Tamukua, when the Spanish and French arrived, were about seven foot nine. That's what the Spanish said. Yeah, they're on the high height. end at the minimum. If that's on the high end, if yeah. you assume that their tallest guy was over six foot. If their tallest guy was only five foot six, which yeah. the probability is not high. I know they were shorter back then, but their yeah. tallest man to be only be five six, and they specifically said that he was a foot and a half taller than the tallest man on their expedition. Yeah. Right there, yeah, Chief Athor, right there, stood, stood a foot and a half taller than the Huguenot uh, Laudonaire, I think his name was. Mm. And they not only were that tall and pretty much giant, right? Giants at, at the minimum, they were seven feet tall, six foot six at the minimum. The Seminoles today in the 1960s, the average height of a Seminole was six foot four. Yep. They're still like my friend, Al, he's, 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 he's pretty tall. So, uh, uh-huh. and, um, and yeah. Yeah, up in the the Appalachians, you know, there you know the mounds. They, there are all these stories of when they were excavating the mounds in the 1920s and 1930s. They were pulling out skeletons of giants and skeletons of this, and then the Smithsonian would come and and take them. But now you ask the Smithsonian about any of that, and they're like, "Oh no, that was just yellow journalism. We don't have anything yep. like that." Oh, what you're talking? Oh, about. I have I have so many articles from, from yeah. Florida. Do you have Shout the uh, Ochizi Pond Wild Man? That's one of my favorite. You know that one? Oh, is that is that Florida? That's Florida. That's Panhandle. This is, uh, this is why we uh, have you on, Mark, because you know all the goodness, bro. Okay, so this is this is. All right, you want to talk about conspiracy theory, but documented. Okay, the town of Ochizi, uh, which you know you got to love those native words. We're not exactly sure how it was pronounced, but that's that's what it's still called today. Uh, uh, Ochesi, Ochizi. It's Ochizi. Uh, it's more fun to say Ochizi because mm-hmm. Florida, we love to call things the fun name. 
Uh, but um, yeah, the cheesy pond wild man that somebody mentioned it in the comments there, video cheesy pond wild man. It's a so what it is is this town's early 1800 settlement. They are you know right outside of Gainesville. It's not too far from them, which is the capital of the new fledgling United States. This is right after the uh, you know the treaty that has made us finally part of the United States. And this town has a problem. Stuff's missing. Stuff keeps, you know, livestock keeps getting killed. They they think they've got, you know, some restless natives. So let's send out a posse. And what they come back with is a giant hairy creature of about eight foot in height, according to the articles. Oh, my God. And the, 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 the early sketch for the newspaper article is these two guys with guns holding up you know, little muskets at this thing and it's in a cage. It's only up to its waist. And that's how big this thing is. And it's big and hairy. And it's basically a Bigfoot. When you read the descriptions, it's a Sasquatch. This Do thing. You, you've seen a it, picture of it. There isn't, there isn't a newspaper article illustration of it. Uh, I don't know. Hey, there's Connor Flynn there. Uh, we were talking about him earlier uh, in that middle, the middle picture there with the two guys in front of the, that's Connor on the right. So, um, from Bigfoot Anonymous, that's his. That's yeah, I have to have him on because I want to talk about Cur City as well after this. Oh, oh, Cur City. We can talk about Cur City. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, the so they're cheesy pond, right? So they they they've caught him. What do we do with this giant creature? Send him to the governor. Governor will know what to do with it. So they strap him to the back <laughs> of a stagecoach. I'm picturing something like a U-Haul trailer with a cage behind it, but you know who knows. Uh, we do have newspaper articles of them sending him to the governor. We have documentation that the governor signed for it, that he, but he didn't know what to do with it. So he sent it to the Florida home for the insane, which is not too far, you know, in Tallahassee. So um, we knew it made it there. We have records of it arriving as a, basically a John Doe. And we have records of them taking him to be shaved and then we have records of his death less than three months later. That's all we've got. And he was buried in the pauper's graves. Mm. Okay, it was basically John Doe. All right. So let's dig it up, right? Let's find out this eight foot tall creature. Let's get the DNA and all that. Well, the problem is the pauper's grave has since been covered by the Florida State Hospital. has been built mm. over it. So there is no way to ever dig it up. And they there's no records of them ever removing the burial stuff or anything like that. They just literally built on top of the grave of all the early, you know, uh, mental ill patients that they just didn't care about. So, um, but we have records and national newspaper articles of the time of the capture of this creature slash wild man, uh, which was, you know, before it was coined Bigfoot or Sasquatch. That's what we called it in the newspapers. So, so the cheesy bone wild man is one of those documented stories. And now of course, there are ghost sightings of this Bigfoot in that area. So, so the ghost of a Sasquatch or skunk ape, as we call him here now. So yeah, and I and I remember that story. I think that was in Stacy's documentary, wasn't it? The finding. I think he did. I think he did that because that's one of our big claims to fame. Is that was the earliest capture of a Bigfoot. You know? Yeah, so. and then he told me recently about Kerr City, which I didn't know because I wanted to talk about like weird stuff in Ocala because I've been having people message me about weird things that occur in the Ocala forest. And he told me about Kerr city, which if you want to explain that one, that one blew my mind. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, it was basically, uh, you know, it was founded by the early trains going through, you know, they, there were all these little boom towns would pop up and 
disappear just as quick as they'd arrive. Uh, you know, they 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 were usually turpentine factories because they would basically just you know plug the trees and you know make turpentine out of it, and then they would ship it on the train down to wherever Miami, Tampa, whatever. Uh, Kerr City was one of those, and it's on Lake Kerr, uh, and it was uh, several families you know settled there. It was a big hotel there. Uh, and for a long, long time, it, you know, after it became a ghost town, it was still open to the public. You could still come and visit it. Uh, most famously, the hotel was bought by a cult at one point that uh, decided they were going to, hey, let's found New Eden. Uh, it worked for the Koreshans down at the Koreshan area. We're going to do it here in Kerr City. They were just off by a few hundred miles. And, um, and we're going to build it here. And but what happened was was this guy who you know the the you know who put the the people in the in the hotel he took all their money you know their religious leader took all their money and then left in the middle of the night so uh, so you know you gotta love that and so they tried to burn it down because they were also angry that they didn't get their money back um, this was long after the town had pretty much fallen into disrepair it is private property though. You have to get permissions from the owners to go visit this place. Now it used to be open to the public a few days a week up until 2000 and like 11, you could still go visit this town and they, um, yeah, there it is. Private property. Do not go there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. Uh, the reason is the the family that owns it. They're old. They don't want to keep up with it, and you know it's it's overrun, and you know you'll trip, you'll hurt yourself, and then they're liable. You know if they let you on the property. So, uh, you know they'll let proper people go. So you, there are ways to reach out to get there, but you know you don't just expect to go wandering in there if you're spending the night in the Ocala National Forest but uh, even as late as the 1990 you know, 1980s 1990s they were renting out the houses there you could stay there and many people there said they saw skunk apes or bigfoots or you know or ghosts you know that was that was a common thing too back then so um boy scout camp once got that was rented the whole place and that is one of the famous bigfoot encounters was they they something set off their car alarms and they ran outside. So this is how recent that was. Car alarms were a thing. And they went outside and there was a big creature that had thrown something at their car and they chased it into the woods. Interesting. And you had your encounter. Was that here in Florida or is that somewhere else? Mine was up North. Mine was, uh, mine was up in uh, the woods of Kentucky. So right on the West Virginia, Kentucky border in that area. So that was where my encounter was. Because the idea of having this big foot, and I know that, Narco, how do you feel about it? Because I know you've told me that you don't believe in it, bro. What do you think it is? Do you think it's just bullshit? Do you think it's just a projection of the imagination or what? It's not that. Uh, I definitely have have a reason to believe, to believe in it. I've seen UFOs, and people would roll their eyes at that. I do think, and I will... I will say this confidently. I think it's kind of the lowest hanging fruit. And I think it's 
though, go to one that people choose for attention seeking and stuff like that. It's um, it, it, it might it, be it might be tied with UFOs as far as that that goes. But um, I, I tend to lean that way myself. I think you also see the most uh, like bullshit on the mainstream in in terms of Bigfoot research, where it's it's just so like on Animal Planet or Discovery Channel, whatever it is, late night cable. Um, and it's they're just making a whole lot of the whole lot out of nothing. And they'll do a year's worth of research and come out with not a single photograph, not a single yeah. piece of hair, not a single piece of but they'll just be chasing smoke and mirrors. So I there's a lot of that. And I think they shouldn't you shouldn't cast that on everyone that's into it. I think there's also a multitude of possibilities. Like if you've ever heard Lloyd Pye, um, I like Lloyd Pye, who kind of took an ancient alien angle. And I believe in Big Feet more than I believe in aliens. But um, Lloyd Pye pointed out how if the panda bear went undiscovered for decades with people actively searching for it, and it's one of the slowest, dumbest, most dependent species in the world where it's entirely dependent on one food source. And if you know where that food source grows and it's a small area, then you know where the pandas are. If the panda has gone unnoticed for decades and decades, and it did with all these old robber baron hunters chasing after it, they thought it was mythical, for those that don't know. The, the right. panda bear was originally believed to be pure myth, and they had only a couple hides that had ever been seen, and they were uh, carted away for a large amount of money. But basically, blah, 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 you know, they, they found a panda bear, and then they found out they were real, and then people had to get acclimated very quickly to the idea that they are now real. So we really could be on the verge of that at any point as far as something big larger out in the woods that's good at eluding people right mm-hmm. I, I i think it's just like it's like ghosts it's like uh you know like ufos and all this i think these are things we don't understand and someday we might you know i i like that th- when i first started this years and years ago you know the ufo people would not talk to the bigfoot people bigfoot people would not talk to the ghost people the ghost people wouldn't talk to anybody. It was only ghosts, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and now because, I mean, the shows are shows. Look, I, I've done some Discovery Channel. I've done some Travel Channel and they take two hours of interview and they'll put in the minute 30 seconds of me that they liked in Ancient Aliens. You know, they'll, you know, because they can twist it to what they want it to be. Uh, you know, the, the Curse of Robert the Doll documentary, I, I filmed for three days and I'm in like maybe 20 minutes of it. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm still in it a lot more than I thought I'd be. Uh, but, you know, the, you got to remember these shows are entertainment. They're television. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Skinwalker Ranch is a crazy place, but the show is television. You know, Curse of Oak Island, how many seasons? And they still haven't found anything. Guess what? It's television. They, they may never find anything. There may not be anything to find. We don't know. But it's good television, so we watch it. And that's, you know, with, you know, the ghost hunters, the ghost shows. When you go to a place where one of the major shows has been, uh, one of my favorites is Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum up in West Virginia. They'll give you their tour, and then they will go, now this is the room where the ghost adventurers found their ghost. But our ghost is over here. 
yeah so they're, they're admitting that there was you know that they you know they you know it's it's made up and it's oh yes yeah definitely a floridian no longer with us yeah um, him and uh, uh scott marlowe who did all the lake monster research i worked with him quite a bit and he passed away last year sadly um mm. and um yeah, we're losing them faster than we can keep them. And that's but well, that's one of the things I do is I try to tell everybody, look, yes, some of these are folklore. Some of these are just stories. But we need to keep them alive. We need to tell these stories because otherwise they're going to disappear. Mm-hmm. The Especially these folklore up in the Appalachians, as I was discovering, is like, you know, the Mimas and Peepaws would tell these stories and then they're just gone. You know, the Mimas and Peepaws are dying off, you know. Uh, and um, so that's all this. We really want all this stuff just keep it alive and who knows like imagine if that punta gorda turtle story had just disappeared in the Mm -hmm. 30s when the 60s Mm -hmm. turtle showed up no one would have put two and two together it still took a few years for people to start going wait a minute this this kind of fits you know it's is is that in your book erie florida which which one the the the, turtle story the turtles in freaky it's in the sequel it's in freaky okay one with the devil florida erie was our first one, that one was all the major ones because that was our first one doing right out of the haunted house days. I ran a haunted house for 20 years and collected all the stories. <laughs> that's what it all started. Nice. Uh, but um, the first one was Erie, Florida. So that was everything from Robert the Doll, the, the Gulf Breeze UFOs. Uh, and, but we threw a Pinky, our sea monster. Uh, we threw in some others that were you know unique that we knew were kind of lesser known, like Mini Lightning, the Voodoo Queen of St. Petersburg, and... Uh, um, you know, the Trestle monster from Tampa, which may have influenced Slender Man, you know, things mm. like that. And because that hit the bestseller list, they let us go crazy with the second book, Freaky Florida. So we got to do deeper dives, off the wow. path stuff. You know, so we got to do also some stuff we debunked, but was still cool historically. So they let us do that. And then our third book was uh, Creepy Florida. And that was the ghost book because we had so many ghost stories. Let's there's our gnome, Bach Tower, right there. Yeah, so. Bach Tower. And I forgot what I was going to ask you, but is there, because, oh, okay, the, the subject of UFOs and USOs, yeah. too, because you talk about it in the book. And I know Nargolonga has seen a UFO before. And I've recently learned that Florida is, like, what, number three in the United States as far as UFO sightings. Do you think there's a reason for that? Is there a portal here in Florida that we don't know about? Maybe out in the Everglades somewhere? Because I've spent a lot of time out in the Everglades because I, I do fish a lot. And it's it's like a different world out there. It's a different yeah. energy. Just that the air is charged. And it's really re- rejuvenating. Like when you're out there all day, it like wakes you up. You know, it's, it's something that you can't explain unless you're there. And I love it. But is there something about it that it's, is it a portal that they're coming through in the swamps or something? I mean, again, we don't know. It's, it's one of those... Uh, we do have a lot of military bases. So I'm one of those that is of some of this is stuff that the military might be messing with, you know? So, you know, the, the Pensacola area is where we have a lot of sightings and that's Pensacola Naval base and Eglin air force base. And if we're doing some joint programs, that would be the place to test it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and then Miami has coast guard air force, you know, everything, you know, it's so us too. Yeah, and in McDill here in Tampa Bay, and that's where we've seen, I think, the, the black triangles are seen the most in Tampa Bay area. And uh, oh, some people wow. consider there might be a squadron. You, base. Could you go into that a little more? What, the black triangles? Black, or, black triangles in Tampa Bay. Yeah, they're seen all over, but Tampa Bay seems to be a hot spot. 
Wow. Uh, they uh, they think there's a if if somebody's done the math that they think there's like a dozen of them in this area. Now I'll remember in the 1980s driving home one day uh, from from high school at the time, and um, and I'm driving along and I see two F-16s with this strange craft between them. And I'm like, oh my God, It's they're finally announcing they've got aliens. This is going to be a big press because I'm <laughs> seeing it in broad daylight. And and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I get home and I'm turning on the news. I'm waiting for the alien news. And it was the announcement of the new stealth bomber, which wow. when you see that in flight, it looked like a UFO to me back then before we'd seen them. So, like a triangle, right? Yeah, exactly. Looked like, like a, a triangle. Black, like a black, black kite. Big People black triangle. Fly. Yep. But now... Though I think there's an advanced version of that, and I think it's something we've I've talked to many witnesses. My uh, one guy was out on his boat, and he sees his depth finder starts going off. But he was in 400 feet, and now suddenly he's in 40 feet. What's going on? He hasn't moved, and he's like, "Oh God, there's a whale coming up under his boat or something." He's going to capsize, and so he rushes to the deck, and um, he sees this black shape under the water and then it breaks the water barely making any sound as it breaks the water you can hardly hear the waves you know that it's and then it hovers above him just about 100 feet in the air and it's giant and he's and it's black ship and it's barely making a hum just this light hum and 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 I'm like, did you take pictures of it? Of course I did, but it's black on black, and it's literally just a black picture. You know, mm-hmm. you can't see anything on it. Um, and um, and you know, and then it just takes off, shoom, fast as it can. Wow. And um, and he said, hardly made any noise, hardly disturbed the water. Did he? He's like, I, I'm like, did you think it was aliens? He thinks I don't know what. The it Scientologists was. owned it because if it was over by Tampa, then yeah, that's they, probably yeah, a sign. You gotta love Clearwater, um, but yeah, can, they own. Can I ask you downtown Clearwater? So, can I ask you about the Opalaka sightings? Do you know about that one? I know a little bit. That's not one of the ones I've done a lot of deep dive into. It was like an entire school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 I don't know much I about it. I think recently went into was the Crestview sighting, which is down in Miami, and um, that one was pretty crazy because it was a whole school sighting. And, uh, and that well, one, well, I think you said Miami. Yeah. Well, that's probably the same probably exact one. Crest, yeah. Okay. O- Opalaka is like Miami Gardens. Miami mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause that would be, yeah, it would have been Crestview then. Uh, and Crestview is no longer there now because there is a Crestview, Florida up in the panhandle, but oh. that was called, the neighborhood was called Crestview and it was Crestview elementary. And, um, that might've been an Opalaka area. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. This, this sounds like the same one. An yeah, and it was school, the students, kid, teachers. They interviewed yeah. them years later too. And it, yeah, the they interviewed story. them immediately, and then years later. Yeah. Yeah. And now, what was cool about that? That's what started me on my book at Erie Appalachia because really? what happened was all these people started emailing me after the Navy trial. You know, the Navy, you know, stuff started leaking and was on the news. And then suddenly the, the, you know, the Senate's having a trial about, you know, UFOs, which I never thought was going to happen in my lifetime after blue book got shut down. <laughs> I thought that was it. Um, but I started getting emails from these people who are in their seventies and eighties now going, Hey, they told me it was helicopters, but it was, I saw this, which we would call the Tic Tacs now. Uh, and, um, and they said that that was around a saucer with a turret was the, like the mothership. 
and then these little things were flying around it and it lands almost lands right across from the school and um you know and the witnesses are coming forward now going hey you know i know i wasn't crazy good i'm not crazy thank you yeah uh but one of them had the list of names of the government men that interrogated him because his father wrote down all the men who came to their house to talk to them and i was intrigued i'm like all right i can freedom of information act these guys and see if i can find family and figure out what departments they were working for and why it was written off as just helicopters yeah uh, maybe there was a deathbed confession or something that i could you know get lucky with and the guy pulls out this old you know address book slash phone book slash recipes you know the usual thing the family's always kept and uh and and you know yellowed pages and we go back to that day and there's the names and it was a lieutenant from the Coast Guard, a pretty common name. So I haven't gotten lucky with that one yet. Uh, but it was Coast Guard. So I think it's a little less common. Uh, then there was an Army Air Guard guy. So it's like, okay, that could be Air Force, could be Army. I'll have to, I, I've been digging on those names and still haven't found anything. But the third name was the name that gave me goosebumps. And it just said, Government Man Cold. Oh, okay. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. If you guys know your UFO stuff, yeah. it's like, wait a minute. So I'm doing the math in my head. This was six <laughs> months after the Derenberger incident. You're you're muted, Narco. Like the temperature of the handshake yes. was, was cold and that's all that, he had to that remark. That was the name. Wow. The government man cold. Wow. So I asked the kid immediately, who was now you know in his seventies. I'm like, when you were a kid, <laughs> you know, what do you remember this guy? And he said, yeah, he just stood there in a suit, just kept smiling at me. And so immediately, smiling man, injured cold, is immediately in my head. And yeah, I just I'm got the chills guy, too. <laughs> We've got to, you've got to let me publish this. You've got to let me tell people about this. And he didn't know who injured cold was. Had no idea. You know, and I had to explain to him what it was and had to explain to him how important this paper was. And um, bam, you know, so suddenly I'm on a roller coaster of back to my childhood stories of Mothman and Indrid Cold and, yeah. and uh, Flatwoods and Monster. And the, it's like, whoa. The interesting part about Florida, right? Because you mentioned the Tic Tac videos is that Near Jacksonville, I don't know because I don't know if you know Chaz of the Dead, where he talks about the Bet Sphere. Yes. Well, it's near where this Bet Sphere in Jacksonville was at, and if you really look at the footage, it could have been. And, and for those that don't know, it's like this: this family found this sphere, and what came out of nowhere, and the sphere would move around on its own. So the idea being, you can connect the Tic Tac video. To the sphere where if if it's flying around in the air, if you get footage of it going fast enough, you know, it could warp into some sort of tic-tac and move around. But this, the, the government was involved, the the Air Force, the whoever was involved. And it's this sphere that this family found for the longest time in Jacksonville. And that, that, that just blew my mind when I made that connection. But can you, uh, you want to you said you're coming out with a new book, but it's of uh, tail. Good. Appalachia came out last August. Yeah. Oh, last August. Uh, yeah, last August, and uh, and again, it started because of that Indrid Cold story, and then suddenly, a little bit later, I discover there's a Tampa tie uh, where some planes were scrambled in Tampa uh, to 
and there was an emer- and there was an accident of some sort where two pilots lose their lives in Tam- coming out of McDill the same day as the Flatwoods incident. So uh, so that led on that trail. So suddenly I'm like, hey, my next Florida book's gonna have a chapter on Ohio and West Virginia and and, and Wright Patterson Air Force Base. And they're like, just do that book, Mark. We know you want to do it. So, nice. so let me do that one before our next one next year, which will uh, go back to Florida a little bit. So, And this is uh, so, yeah. some articles from the Bet Sphere. Is Mysterious Metal Sphere a bug from outer space? And this yep. is like a whole rabbit hole. And Chaz of oh, the man, Dead, yeah. shout out to him. We've talked about it on my show before, where it's this this thing where nobody knows what it was and it disappeared one day, right? Yeah. But it would move around on its own. And all that craziness, and this was in Jacksonville. So, who knows? And did it, it disappeared in the end. Yeah, it, it's it disappeared, bro. It's gone. They, yeah, they have no idea where. Another it one of those um, uh, was the amazing Randy. Was that was one of the first ones he was trying to get his hands on, and you know because he wanted to debunk it. He was convinced it was just the old magician's trick with the crystal ball moving it around, and you know mm-hmm. with on a on a wire that you just can't see. And mm-hmm. uh, but they, he couldn't get it. Yeah, they you know, studied it never, and they they cut never, it. He could never get his hands on it. The three people who said they had it didn't have it anymore. They said they had given it to someone to study, and it never came back. So, so I've heard. I'm sure you guys both know. They say they tried to say it was a uh, stainless steel ball bearing. Yeah, from like a military project or something. That fell like out a- of a truck. <sighs> that they say. They say they debunked it, hands down debunked, because they found the old delivery driver who admitted that, oh yeah, a box fell out, but I thought I got them all, or I just didn't report it, but now I am. And uh, if you want to believe that, maybe, but what do you think it is? Do you have any angles on that? Again, I think we're, we're, when we look into this stuff, um, I like to think that um, just like where we think Disney knows a little more than they let on, I like to think our government knows a little more than they let on, not necessarily aliens, not necessarily, you know, you know, I, I, I think we're going to, we're now learning that, you know, quantum reality are, you know, there's maybe parallel universes. There may be all these other things, uh, you know, and definitely other dimensions will probably be easier to access than getting to Alpha Centauri. Uh, cause it's certainly less energy is going to be required for that and all that. So maybe these are things, you know, that we're, you know, we're dealing with and, you know, you know, you love to throw science into these things where, you know, we're realizing time isn't linear time loops. And that really is being proven. The more we discover about space, the more we discover about time. And, um, uh, you know, we're starting to realize some of this stuff is just stuff we don't understand yet. I really love. Shirley Jackson, Haunting of Hill House, it's preternatural. It's stuff we don't understand yet. Someday mm. we will. And I like to think we're kept in the dark on a lot of these things for reasons. But I also think, you know, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but that's also, you know, the old men in black quote, right? A person is smart, but people are scared, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's, and that I, I kind of agree with that too. I don't know. It's just all new science. Every generation, you know, the science of one generation makes, you know, either something more bogus or more true. Look at chiropractic medicine. A lot of medical schools won't teach it because they say it's, you know, it's bogus. It's, 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 it's voodoo. And, and, but people get relief from it. It helps people, you know, so acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. help. Some people really, they can't live without it. Yeah. You know, look at what we're learning about, you know, 
you know, THCs and all these other things that were voodoo and, <laughs> you know, we weren't allowed to do any of that. But now, oh, we have medical marijuana now. So this is, these are things that, you know, even just decades, you know, not, you know, within this century, look at all the things that have, you know, we've discovered are true and we're still changing history. We're like, oh, wait, th- these people were here longer than we thought. Oh, we thought these people were, you know, we thought we were about mm-hmm. 5,000 years old. Oh, guess what? We're maybe 15, 20,000 years old, you know. Lemuria, Mu, Atlantis, these things could have existed. And you know, we thought they were just folk tales. And now we're like, wait a minute. We we think we found pieces of them. You know, it's like, you know, I, I I think every few years we get on that cusp and things start changing and breaking. And we're at that next cusp soon, I hope. I'd like to see it in my lifetime, but if I don't, mm-hmm. at least I've, you know, salvaged a few stories for some people and you know, documented a few things that might have been lost to history. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well put. So you've got to smoke weed to learn the answers about <laughs> there you go. No, the, I, I, the bet well, sphere. I'm not a doctor. I'm an author. So take no, a I, stop at Lemuria. He didn't have, say that. I have That's, I have epilepsy, so all I have is epilepsy meds. I can't drink. I can't do any of the fun stuff because the epilepsy meds keep me healthy. So, so just, just teasing. That was well put. Yeah, that was awesome. And I don't know, we can go to the chat. If the chat wants to start asking some questions, put it in all caps. If you want us to read your question, we'll pop it up on the screen and we'll do the last 30 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever, on questions, uh, depending on what we get. So if you want to start asking Mark some questions, do you want to plug your stuff, Mark? Uh, where oh, yeah. people can find you, where they can find your book, and I'll post all the You can find links. our books in fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, they are also available in every Cracker Barrel and Walgreens in the state of Florida. Uh, but with uh, Erie Appalachia, hopefully it'll go all the way up the Appalachian Trail. Uh, but you can also order from erieflorida.com. And that comes straight to my lovely wife and me. And she will draw something amazing in it. Uh, and then... Uh, <laughs> Okay, so, uh, all right, Gothicus, I started uh, when we, what, what did we start with? I was talking about the haunted house. No, we started with the gnomes. If we weren't going to, we were going to go. <laughs> yeah, then that went to the haunted house. And then, yeah, no, so. Awesome. Yeah, I'll post all your, your links in the description uh, when I post this on the RSS feed. We are live on YouTube right now. And yeah, I don't know. We have 465 people watching, and that's the only question we got. Come on, people. Let's see. Yeah, all yeah. caps for your question guys if you want to throw your question in all caps all right yeah this is this is what i wanted to ask you actually about this if there was any other similar stories of homunculi in florida okay so we've got you know like i said florida can't have nice things so it's tricky you have to kind of you know dig through the names to figure these things out so are you guys familiar with like uh what's more common up north called the puck wedgies have you heard of those yes Yes. Okay. They're no. like small Bigfoot, basically, you know, you know, two, three foot tall, maybe smaller. And in Florida, because we love to name things, uh, we have in the town of Two Egg, which is a great name for a town in Florida, they have a beast there called the Two Egg Stump Jumper. And it is considered a small, hairy man or creature that jumps from tree to tree so he's called the stump jumper and he's incredibly fast, like so fast. He almost teleports. And, uh, and, uh, he's been seen many, many times for hundreds of years, uh, all the way back to settler days, but all the way up to recent sightings, people still see him. Um, and 
then they start realizing, oh, there's multiple of them. He's not just one. There's two or three. So is it a clan? Is it a, you know, but that is one of the ones that we think now is uh, possibly a, uh, you know, a gnome sighting or something like that, or definitely homunculi. I like how you call them that. I, I think that's uh, actually uh, that's cool. that's my own thing. The homunculus. I just link everything. If, if it's small and, and and little and looks like a man, homunculus right off the bat. Like Doctor yeah. Narco Longo is a homunculus, believe it or not, and he oh, does a good okay. job at hiding it. Yes, he's just living in a dollhouse, and that's just all those really intricate little things behind him there. Okay. Yeah, pretty Makes much. <laughs> um, no, uh, I uh, you know, there's some others that have I've chased the legends of. Uh, there's a group called the Squallies down in the Everglades area. If you've been out there, you may have heard of them. Uh, but they tend to be more like pig-headed, like almost uh, like, uh, you know, like a tribal too, where they, they wear loincloths and carry spears. And these were they were very common in the 40s. And then suddenly the military show up and start commandeering and making secret bases out in the Everglades. And then they all suddenly disappear, like they were wiped out. But then in the 50s, 60s, they start coming back and they're bigger. They're like, you know, four or five foot tall. You know, so, you know, that's that, you know, that seems to be, you know, well, did they grow up? But uh, or, you know, and then, and then, of course, in the 2000s, there's the the Seminole Boarman, man who's a giant eight foot tall pig headed guy. And people mm. are like, oh, it's just them, them. They grew up. They got bigger. <laughs> they were they were government experimented on. And that's why they're so big now. Yeah. So yeah, I've heard about you know, that. The pigment of the Everglades. It's a yep. uh, out of control experiment, genetic experiment that they were doing on people. And there's people who literally live. There are houses out in the middle of the Everglades. Yep. So off the grid, yeah. And and, and still, that's where we forced the tribes to live. So there's still a lot of tribal reservations under here because we were like, this land's terrible. So put put the natives there. We don't we don't want it. And that's where we kept sending them all. So. Um, and this question is Mark aware of the Saxer stones? He was not because we did no. ask him before we started the episode. Uh, we did ask him that, uh, and then it was a new one on me. So, yeah. um, and it's Mr. Erie, Florida. That was good to hear. So I always love the new ones. So this is a I, fun I one. I'll be digging into it. <laughs> is Tampa Bay blessed by <laughs> ancients to avoid storms? <laughs> All right. Depends on who you ask. So Sarasota which is named after Sarah DeSota, the you know, the daughter of Hernando DeSota. Uh, supposedly she's buried out there being protected by tribal spirits. And that's why Sarasota doesn't get hit by hurricanes. Interesting. Um, and that was in my book, Erie, Florida. Uh, but in Freaky, Florida, we delve into the shaman of Philippi Park or Felipe Park, depending. Uh, mm -hmm. And that it was a native mound there at the north of Tampa Bay. Uh, and... Uh, and safety harbor and they say that there's a shaman that walks up that mound every day and summons an earth elemental to fight the storm gods and that's why we have so much lightning in our area but he also mm. steers the storms away and then of course there's mini lightning the voodoo queen of saint petersburg also known as mini lights and her gator boys and they steer the storms to attack marie laveau because she hates marie laveau so she steers the storms away from us to new orleans but her story is super dark, and uh, the real story behind that is so much scarier than a voodoo queen legend. So, wow, we'll do that another time. And I don't know what this is. What do you know about the area surrounding El Eglin Air Force Base, Fort Walton? That's also Pensacola Naval Base. That's all right up there in the Panhandle. Gulf Breeze UFOs were spotted in that same area for dozens of years. Uh, of course, Ed Walters is the most famous guy who took all those amazing photos of them. 
And then he was later debunked when he moved out of his house and they found the model kit in his attic. Uh, and uh, that, so he had done photo, you know, double exposure shots to do the stuff, but that still doesn't explain the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other sightings and things. He just was taking advantage of it. Uh, right. He still says he was framed by the government and that he wouldn't have been stupid enough to leave the model, but we've pretty much proven over the years that he was, he was totally bogus. Uh, uh, the next question, any Thunderbird stories? Yes. Uh, plenty, uh, lots of Whoa. Thunderbirds. Uh, and a lot of them could be, people don't know what a cormoran is. Uh, and that's, they look like flying gargoyles. They almost look like pterodactyls in flight. When you see them, uh, you'll see them out where they're stunning their wings on rocks mm-hmm. and they get pretty dang big. And so yeah. a lot of the sightings I think are those, um, but that said, there are still other sightings that, you know, could be something else. Uh, they, oh, no, it's definitely reptilian. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. you know, the um, Sand Hill Crane yes. is so unique to some people that would had never seen mm-hmm. it before. A lot yeah. of people, a lot of people, there was a myth that they did, that they didn't fly because they let you get so close a lot of the time that they yeah. don't fly away like other birds. Because yep. they know, because they know they can uh, mess you up with their bills. So they and that's don't... common. Like when you when I started doing Mothman research for Appalachia, they were like, "Oh, it's a sandhill crane." It was misidentified. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know the the Flatwoods monster was a sandhill crane. That's that's it's almost the swamp gas, you know, or the weather balloon is the sandhill mm-hmm. crane. You know, so I, I do th- you know it could be some of these probably were you know and and that's you know especially the one there's a famous sighting you were talking about coral castle earlier there's a famous sighting of a thunderbird over coral castle really mm. we're pretty sure that wow. was a crane you know but uh because of the timing it would have timed in with their migratory but some and, of these know, sightings definitely would not be during their migration periods so. and you know wood storks it when they're pointing forward all the way in flight with that long yeah. beak some people from up north might catch that the wrong angle and and see them gliding instead of flapping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um and I'm not trying to to shoot any of this down. Of course, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate. Again, but, we um, want to we want to know. Yeah, we want to know. It's again, it's stuff we don't understand. You know, and hopefully, these all these sightings could be easily chucked away, and that's you know 100. But they could also be something we don't know. Yeah, and Narco yeah, Longo uh, does not believe in Bigfoot, so that one. I I do. That's not <laughs> whatever. Okay. I like this one. Something that you witnessed with your own two eyes. I mean, you have your Bigfoot <sighs> sighting, but you have anything okay. in Florida? In Florida, all right. I've got two ghosts that I can definitely say. Uh, the one is even on YouTube. Um, mm. I was taking some YouTubers, they're travel vloggers, uh, Tampa J and Chris, the girl, you can Google them up and, uh, they do travel vlogs where they go to theme parks and they go to cons and stuff like that. And just, you know, and, and show, you know, and go, you know, show you the things that you can't see if you're not here in Florida. And, um, I was taking them to a very haunted location called the May Stringer house. It's in Brooksville. And they were doing a haunted attraction in their haunted in their haunted house this is considered by many paranormal teams to be one of the most haunted locations in america and there's a waiting list to get on their research things and they do this to try to save you know the building they use this for money raising and stuff it's a it's a museum now but they also do these events and so we were there and uh, we were getting a sneak preview 
of the haunted house the week before they were going to do it. So it was pretty cool. There were some haunted actors and there was some other stuff, but there was basically four people in the building with us. Um, and while we were there, this was just before last Halloween. Um, so while we were there, this, you know, weird stuff was, you know, we were, we were going through and we went through the house and then all the docents and everybody else left. And I asked permission because I'm, you know, I'm a friend of the museum that they I said, can I just take them in so we can show them some of the history stuff and we can go back upstairs and we can document some of the real, the real history of this place. And um, we go to Jesse May's room, which is a little girl ghost. We go upstairs to the attic and there's this ghost up there called Mr. Nasty. And he's, uh, or, or, or you know, <laughs> isn't that a great name for a ghost? Cause they don't know where he's from. He doesn't fit any of the history of the house, but, they keep bringing in all these artifacts because it's a history museum. So some of the things are tied to artifacts and they know this is tied to this actor's trunk. That'd be Narco's ghost. Dr. Yeah. Nasty. Dr. Nasty or <laughs> Mr. Nasty. And uh, anyway, um, we were up there and we were all alone in the attic and we were just recanting, you know, recounting some of the stuff that had happened earlier in the night that we were just talking about. And suddenly the attic door just flies open to tell us to go. And there are no window. All the windows up there are sealed. We're sweating because it's so hot because it's Florida in October. It's might as well be Florida in June. Uh, you know, uh, we're dodging falling iguanas now, but that takes till December at least. Uh, but back then, you know, it's hot. There's no wind. There's nobody else in the, in the house. And I'm sitting there talking and you just see the door just fly open right behind me. And the poor camera, you know, the girl, Chris was filming. I just watched her eyes bug out and, and, you know, Jay is filming and his eyes bug out. And then I turn around and I'm like, I thought somebody had come in. No, it was just us. Um, so he, we literally got shown the door by a ghost. I don't know how there is. The door was shut tight. There is no way that that we couldn't even get that door, you know, to nudge open. And it would, it would have made a, or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that if it had been anything, but no, it's boom, right open. And so that's on there. If you look up their haunted videos of May Stringer, you'll see them. Uh, I think it's about the 30 minute mark on both, or about 25 minute mark on both of them when that just watching the attic. Uh, but so that was with my own eyes. And then the other time was in the Cuban club in Tampa, which is in Ybor city, another notoriously haunted building. And I was there with a film crew that was filming overnight for a news station for Halloween. This is a few years ago uh, because of course the news crews all call me at Halloween time. Say, Hey Mark, come tell ghost stories. Of course. You know, uh, you know, book me early. Uh, but, uh, anyway, we were there and it was overnight and we'd been telling ghost stories all night and we were up in the ballroom up on the fourth floor. And I was about to tell the story of the bride who fell to her death off that floor. And it's this famous ghost bride that you can hear walking down the stairs because she didn't want to fall. She wanted to go down to her reception. Uh, and, um, you hear it at sunrise and we were about to go live and there's three of us in the building, the docent, me and the camera guy. And um, oh, four people, because there was also the reporter. And, and But we're the only other three. And those two not on camera, the cameraman and the docent, and then me and her. And we're about to go live. And he's doing the sound checks. And suddenly we hear the steps going down, something walking down the steps beside us where there's nobody there. And then three, two, one, and you're live. And the poor reporter girl was like, because ah, 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 nothing had happened all night. She was just sad that nothing could happen and then something did happen and i'm like and i was about to say you have a recording of it there the 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 feed starts right then and right after it so there is no recording of it ask the camera guy he's like we're on 
localized mics. They're meant to cut out extraneous sound. Mm-hmm. So there was no no recording of it at all, which is sad. Interesting. So, and so there's two that I saw my own eyes. The, this has been an in, this has been a popular one as of lately. Dogman. Any dog? Any reports of Dogman here in Florida? There's uh, been some recent sightings in uh, the North Florida, up in the Panhandle area, particularly uh, also over kind of towards Jacksonville. There's an old skunk ape legend called the Barden Booger. Again, we can't have nice things; we got to rename them terrible <laughs> things. Um, but that area where the Barden Booger is has been recently Dogman Central. There's been some Dogman sightings in that area. Um, we go into that in uh, Freaky Florida as well, where there was a um, a hunter out there, and he was, you know, getting some uh, getting some wild boar, and um, he killed it, and he threw it in the back of his truck. And as he's getting in his truck, he sees this big hairy arm reaching in to grab his kill. And he thinks it's, uh, you know, got to be a uh, a bear. So he comes out and he gets his gun. And immediately he does the, the classic, you know, whenever you talk about anybody about Dogman, they go, I know I sound crazy, but it looked like a freaking werewolf. Mm-hmm. Or they don't say freaking, they use the other word. And, uh, you know, and it's. And they're and they're, and he legit and he literally has given up his career to go hunting and proving that these things exist. So um, he's still out on the hunt, as far as I know. And that was years ago. I haven't heard back from him. I should probably reach out, and make sure he's still okay. But uh, but he was convinced that changed his life. That Dogman is real, and he wants to prove it. So nice, uh, Chupacabras or Mothmans. I don't know what that. Well, flying humanoids like Mothman, yeah, especially Chupacabra. Yeah. I really, I really want to ask about chupacabra. All right, so chupacabra is mostly known for more, you know, Texas, Mexico area, Puerto Rico too, bro. Yeah, Puerto Rico as well, <laughs> and so of course Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and even the other coast, not as much, but uh, Miami had a run of sightings of it for years, um, and. Um, of course you get everything from the dog with mange to, you know, the giant iguanas, because those are becoming our new invasive species uh, that we all love to talk about. Uh, But to be fair, you know, Chupacabra in Florida is one of those. It, it creeps me out a little bit because the people who see it almost describe it like they're describing skinwalkers or some shape-shifting thing that they do not understand. It's much less lizard creature or Mm -hmm. mangy dog creature. It is much more, every describing, every witness talks about it, talks, you know, starts talking about portals and other poltergeist-like activity happening around it. Could you go into that? Huh? Could you go into that a little? Uh, Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Like uh, a recent uh person i've been in, in interviewing for our next project um they are a family down in uh just north of uh fort, fort lauderdale area uh and they are a little inland and um they've had i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say exactly where so i'm going to keep this kind of vague but they had some of their dogs go missing and they they grew they grew racing dogs you know, and you know, up until dog racing was banned. So they had a lot of greyhounds and a lot of them were going missing and they would find blood in the area and like large amounts of blood, but no bodies, no nothing. So they were mm-hmm. convinced they had coyotes or, you know, something was coming out of the, 
swampy area near them and, and digging these things away. Uh, and then the son comes out one night and sees what he called a chupacabra, you know, that he had seen them uh, in on, you know, people drawings, people's drawings of them. He'd heard the legends of them. So he was internet savvy and, you know, about them. And he's like, Oh my God, this is a chupacabra. And he's runs to get his family. But when they come back, it's, you know, the three dogs bodies are gone. The carcasses have just Mm. disappeared. And, uh, but what is there is, uh, this weird set of tracks that as they followed the tracks, they go from dog looking, but not even dog. They said it looked more like alligator, uh, but small, like a small alligator, but then they turn into almost human. So, uh, and then they just stop. The tracks just stop. And there's like a line in the sand, like it walked through something. Um, so huh. that's, that's their story. Uh, again, they no longer raise think dogs, of, but they you have said, dogs. you said like an alligator, but smaller. Yeah, like a small alligator or dog print. They couldn't tell. They, you know, they took some photos, and if you look at the photos, it's muddy as hell. So it's it's like hard a, to really tell. These were not, you know, investigators or anything with, you know, with plaster kits or anything. They were literally a family just trying to figure out what was killing their dog. And, monitor, uh, monitor lizards. That's you know that could happen. I have a pet savannah monitor. He's pretty big, and uh, we Claudius the wonder lizard. Uh, he's currently hiding because it's you know forty degrees outside. Uh, oh, yeah, I but, saw that uh, on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's funny because most people say chupacabras kind of look like greyhounds. Exactly. Right? And that's why maybe it was, mm-hmm. you know, it attracted to it because, it, you know, maybe. Wow. Mates. I didn't you even know, think about that. Like, it's yeah, maybe that's out. why it was letting them loose. Maybe the cutting is from getting them oh. out of the fence or something. So it's, huh. it's crazy story. And now that farm now raises horses. Hmm. And they still have weird things. And I, I grew uh, up happen there. So I grew up with the chupacabra being this sort of alien thing. And I grew up in Puerto Rico. So I, as a kid, I would hear stories of, of friends of my dad that would have ranches and they would, all their animals would be sucked dry of the blood, but it was, it wasn't a dog that, that, that was like, it wasn't like a canine. It was, this was after, but I remember, remember stories of people, you know, we have shutters on the Island of this five-fingered clawed hand going in and trying to grab people. I remember another place where my aunt used to, my uncle used to live, where this thing almost like punched this concrete wall that that they had in the back, and it left like this big indentation in the concrete wall. And I hear heard stories of when my dad's friends would go out and you know wait all night and with guns in hand, you know, with rifles in hand to to catch this thing so i grew up with those sort of stories but to me it was more like an alien thing with like the spine going down its back crazy like a a reptilian reptilian and the the lore was that it was an out of control military experiment on something that got loose in the puerto rican rainforest so i don't know if you've ever been through the puerto rican there's actually a tower there too by the way narco and it's very freaky and i and i've walked through it by myself before and Again, there's like somebody's watching, you know, there's something behind peeking through. I get that feeling. You know, I always try to describe Florida for people like, oh, it's, you know, theme parks and beaches. And it's like, um, if you, 
look at Florida from space at night because we're the space coast, right? We're launching everything up to space. You know, um, if you look at it from night at night when they're flying up, you look down, you see all those bright lights all along the beaches. Everywhere is bright lights except for up Apalachicola, Big Bend area. But for some reason, that's we don't build there um, and because that's where Taytel is. There's a lot of other more devil stuff. You know, you got to mm-hmm. love that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the forgotten coast. But, you know, uh, but anyway, you know, that's super bright. Then you go a little further inland and you get the big bright lights. And that's, you know, there's that's Jacksonville, Miami, all the cities that support the beaches. Right. Tampa, you know, uh, you know, all that. And then you go a little further inland and it gets a little darker but you still got a lot of like that's the sprawl, the you know the suburbs that are supporting the big cities. You go a little further inland, and the lights start getting dimmer and dimmer, and fewer and further between. And then there's the black spots, the Everglades, you know, the Ocala National Forest, the Green Swamp, Mayaca, you know, uh, Pensacola, Taytel, you know, all that uh, near Eglin Air Force Base, and all those areas completely black, nothing, you know, just little pinpricks of light. And that's where this weird stuff just seems to congregate. It's right on the edges of, and we're slowly building in. That's areas are getting smaller and smaller. And that's why I think, you know, I think we, if there are things hiding in there, yes, they're getting shaken up. They're coming out. That's why we're seeing them more. I know why we're hearing things more. And I think that's all over, but there especially. That's great. Anything, any legends on horseshoe crabs horseshoe crabs i mean there's there's some folk tales on them i haven't heard of like any cryptid because you know you know they they have those that statue in i think it's florida west coast of florida where they have giant horseshoe crabs built onto the beach they're like model fake model horseshoe crabs but they're giant like way bigger than than we're told horseshoe crabs can get yep there you go. I think this is in Ohio. That's in Ohio. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> okay. I've been to that one. No, there's there's some on the beach in Florida that are really okay. big. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. they. I mean, there are there are native <laughs> folk tales of them that they are you know, the reason they're shelled is to you know to you know is because they were great hunters at one point. I saw were... this one. This is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. That That's a neat. lobster. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I've, I've seen it, bro. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good. They're all, you so, know, but uh, no, not not that I really can think of for that. Sorry, gang. That's all right. No sweat. What about um, like the blood? Do you know about? Okay, here's a good one. Here's a question from me. Uh, what do you know about Maya in Florida? The Maya oh. in Florida. Evidence uh, of the Maya. We we've been trying to get Gary Daniels on the show okay. from from what's his name? What's his uh? website lost world lost world yeah um there's there's an old one of the early stories of hernando de soto coming in and you know wreaking havoc on all the native tribes and everything that he was doing because he was looking for gold got to be gold up here because it was gold down there it's got to be gold up here too and um and he goes to this timacuan chief named tomoki and uh tomoki says uh oh yeah we have gold i i have a gold cup that is mystical and we use it to make ourselves invulnerable for war. And, and DeSoto's like, well, you know, show me this. So, uh, so he's like, well, we're only allowed to bring it out when we go to war. And the, you know, the, the, the medicine man, the, you know, the, the wise man has to approve it. And he's like, oh, okay. So, you know, well, we're going to destroy your town if you do not, you know, your settlement, if you do not show us this. 
So he goes and grabs it against the will of, you know, the, the, the shaman who's like, no, you can't do this. And he's like, no, going to show him. And so he drinks from the cup without doing the proper rituals. And he shows him this gold cup and then he drinks from it. And he's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm impervious to things. Well, then he realizes the folly of his mistake is now DeSoto is gold fever. You know, obviously you got this from somewhere. So he starts, you know, attacking. Uh, and so, but Tomoki, you know, uses the cup and is able to fight him off. But now he's angered all the local tribes because, and they decide, well, you've, you know, you've brought this upon us and we've got to bring you down. So um, the shaman turns the magic on him and turns him into this pink incandescent cloud of energy or, or gas that is poisonous to all. And he melts him. Um, but occasionally that cloud rises and, um, and uh, will will burn you if you see it and stuff like that. Um, now, if you look up Tomoka, Tomoka state park, you will, there is a statue of chief Tomoka doing that or Tomoki doing that, holding the cup like a Holy grail icon. And, th- and that was one of the reasons why, um, Oh, the other conquistador. There he is. Who? Uh, Menendez. Menendez. Yeah, Menendez starts looking for the Fountain of Youth in that area, thinking he can beat Ponce de Leon, because that must be the Holy Grail uh, or something like that that he's got. So, but now more modern scholars think that he had a Mayan relic of some sort because we now realize they had the trade the trade route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know they could have you know look at. Miami Mystery Circle all comes back, you know that you know definitely could be more to this than meets the eye. So. Well, you know what's what's your just um, guys get your questions in. We've got about five minutes or so before I'm going to hop off. But um, what's your take on officially? We're told officially that Miami has nothing to do with Maya, me. Yeah. Or the yeah. Maya, Mayama, or the Maya Ka. Yeah. Um, and they even tell us that the Miami in Florida has absolutely nothing to do with the Miami in Ohio. In Ohio, even though we now know they had a trade route. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, it's the same mound building culture from yeah. there to yeah. here. Yeah, Serpent Mound. I just did a whole big thing on Serpent Mound and Alligator Mound and how Alligator Mound isn't an alligator. Uh, even though we do know they kind of did talk <laughs> to them down here, we think uh, Alligator Mound is actually uh, Underwater Panther or Mishapishu Mound. And, um, you know, and Serpent Mound is actually Great Serpent Mound because that's more the Thunderbirds, the Great Serpent, you know, Mishapishu in the waters. You know, that's definitely makes more sense than why would they build an alligator mound? Um, you know, that doesn't look like an alligator. It has a bed of a panther with horns. You know, uh, it has an alligator tail, but that's what the Underwater Panther has. But anyway, that's another book. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Miami, I definitely think had something to do with that. There was um, a couple of journalists in the 1930s were given letters from a guy who said he had found pyramids in the middle of Corkscrew Marsh. And they went looking for them and never found them. Uh, but this, guy, but one of the reporters came back saying, well, they found what they thought was the remains of a pyramid and they went down underneath and it was filled with snakes and it was, you know, stone and mm. they're like stone tunnels. And we've been with a lot of experts through Corkscrew Marsh. That is an amazing place. 
Uh, and it's huge. It's another one of those dark places on the map. Um, and it's where they do a lot of sulfur mining and stuff on uh, limestone mining and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, there we go. Anything spooky about the keys. Oh my gosh. I could do, I, we do a chapter on the keys in each book because there is so much on the keys. St. Augustine, Casadega, they've all got to be in each book because every one of those has something crazy, but the keys always, you have to end in the keys. Um, I was on the recent, uh, doc, travel channel, discovery channel, shocktober documentary, curse of Robert, the doll. Uh, I was the talking head talking about Robert. And if you, mm-hmm. nothing is scarier than Robert the doll, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know always follow his rules. Like Robert, we're going to talk about you. I hope it's okay, and you're awesome, and we love you. You know, and he's the most haunted doll in the world. We love you, Robert. He's the basis for Chucky. Don't take his picture without permission. Be nice mm-hmm. to him. And the big secret is when you say goodbye, always say goodbye. That's the part people forget. If you don't say goodbye, the connection wow. is still there. And um, then if you screw up any of those, you got to write him a letter and he gets literally a hundred letters a week of people who didn't believe him and now are apologizing profusely because bad, bad crap went down and they got to deal with it. And so, um, so definitely when you go down to Key West, definitely visit Robert. Uh, there's also the corpse bride, Elena Demilios, uh, hmm. and Mary, well, a lady well, back to, crazy. to Robert, <laughs> yeah. to touch on Robert real quick. Is he the one that's in the fort in yeah. Key West? Yeah, Fort, inside Mar- Fort Martello. Yeah, Fort Martello Museum. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's a you know it's an art museum. They got given this doll. They didn't know what the hell it was, and the doll wanted to be seen. And it was it would show up in places, and they and they finally started learning the rules because they had him displayed so long. And oh, cameras don't work around him if you don't ask permission. Okay, well ask permission. You know, if, you know, if you don't say goodbye, bad stuff happens. Okay, we'll mm-hmm. say goodbye. So it's, um, you know, uh, there was. What do you know? I'm going to ask another one from me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what do you know about the shrunken heads in in Florida? Okay, well. The shrunken head in St. Augustine. And uh, I knew about that one, but I just got told there was one. In Ripley's, believe it or not, supposedly. Ripley's has the largest collection of shrunken heads on the planet, and their huh. and their collection is all in Orlando. Wow! Uh, just outside. I've seen it. Yeah, if you've been able to get, you've been to the warehouse on I Drive. Uh, yeah, have you been? No, but have you been to the warehouse? No. They have a bunker that is where they keep all the property for Ripley's around the world. So all the Madame Tussauds, which they also own are all in this one bunker outside of Orlando, just maybe 30 minutes from my drive where their big museum is. Um, and that's, and I've been in there a few times. I did a show called road trips with Ripley's and we got to, they gave me the tour of the warehouse, which was amazing. And uh, every day they're getting there, they get boxes of stuff. People send them stuff. Well, some lady sent them the longest fingernails in the world and she'd had them for her whole life and finally cut them off. Sent them to Ripley's. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but the shrunken heads, they have Hemingway, speaking of Hemingway, uh, they have Hemingway's shrunken torso, which was a whole head and torso, which is very rare. They have that in the one in Orlando on display currently. So, and they rotate displays all the time. So, is that the man? Hang, hang on, what? Hemingway, Hemingway had, a, had a shrunken a, head. Hemingway owned a bunch of shrunken heads himself, but he also had one that was a torso. So it's like wow. chest up to head. 
and that one's on display right now. It's super rare. Mm. But yeah, if you ever go in that warehouse, you want to talk about weird feelings because there's a whole section of nothing but shrunken heads and boxes. Let's go there, dude. That sounds awesome. Yeah, we gotta go. It's, what gotta do you think the shrunken? What? what I, where I are they? To... Where are they from officially? Different Africa. places, usually Africa. Papua New Guinea area, mostly the Philippines, huh. um, usually islands, but some from Africa. Some Ripley got them from all over, and you know, a lot of them were fake, but a lot of them are real. So mm. it's it's pretty crazy. So yep, there's the Hemingway torso. Wow. Yep. Now, do you think these are actual shrunken torsos, or do you think, or people? It's right there. That's, do you <laughs> think they're people that are naturally small, just getting mummified? I, you know, it's because how it, do you how do you shrink a skull? It just doesn't that's, make that's sense. you know supposedly a medicine man tradition, you know, or a, a you know you know and all this. It's it's some secret recipe that does it, but you know we've seen it happen. Uh, naturally and we've you know they we still don't know like the the lady who melted in st petersburg in the 60s her skull shrank super tiny wait who melted yeah the 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 oh (laughs) he's pulling out stories out the wazoo bro oh dude you guys had me on so you know but uh, in erie florida we we talk on page you know (laughs) but no um they uh there was a lady um that literally was Old lady, she went to bed one night after having dinner with her son. The next day, they come in, and uh, the, the, the guy's delivering a package. He can't open the door. He realizes it's hot. Oh, it's fire. So he calls the police, and the fire show up. They bust down the door. Her chair where she was sitting in the room is incinerated. All that's left is her foot, a pile of goo, and a shrunken skull, and these little dark things. And what what is all that? What is all that? And it's like the dark little bits are her teeth. They had shrunken so small and shot out like popcorn. Um, and they call her the cinder oh lady. God. Spontaneous uh, combustion, right? This was spontaneous combustion Peters, was the Saint original Petersburg. theory. Uh, candling became a theory where, because you know, she may have been smoking a cigarette, used her own body as wax. But either way, she had to burn about four thousand degrees for a couple hours to shrink as much as she did, and all that. So the fact that the whole house didn't burn down is a miracle. Yeah. There she is. Mary Reeser. Yep. And the pictures are crazy. So, but her file is oh at the St. Pete History Museum and uh, her FBI file and it's signed by J. Edgar Hoover. And uh, the, the guy who did it said, you know, who did the exploration of it said if he had believed in, didn't believe in dark magic or had believed in dark magic, he would have put that down as the reason because it just did not make sense to him. Yeah. I'm not going to pull up the other pictures because they're kind of gory and I don't want to get gross. They're gross. Don't. Yeah, definitely not. Holy shit. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> That's what happens yeah. when you melt people. Google and you're saying, and you'll see what's left of you. So and just, I, did I hear that right? You said like the walls and stuff were not damaged. There were, there were like... some damage around her, but n- didn't spread very far. Yeah. But it so wasn't that much heat. Why did the whole building not explode? It wasn't a flame, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but also, like the table next to her was just slightly melted. The clock stopped at four twenty, which you know, hey, blazing up. Hey, yeah, but uh, you know, but that's that's really? you know other things. So that's insane. That's wild, Mark. Yeah, you killed that's it good. today, bro. Hey, I'm yeah, happy to man. be here, gang. So yeah, yeah we have to have you back on sometime. Yeah, yeah for I'd sure. Like to. 
Yeah, we Arthur. could talk about uh, what was it the the up north. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit, but we can talk about it next time. Oh, yeah, we can talk about a lot of things up north. I'll, we'll do we'll do Appalachia on the on the next one. So. Awesome. All right. Well, so guys, before we sign off, everyone that's following me, if you're looking for a gift, if you're looking for a late Christmas <laughs> Christmas gift, late late, go get one of Mark Muncy's books. You've got Yuri, Florida, Creepy, Florida. What were the other two? And Creepy, Freaky Florida. Florida. Freaky, Florida. And Erie, Appalachia. So. Erie, Appalachia. So we yep. had Erie, Florida here in the store. It sold out. We're yep. going to be stocked up soon. And but, you get to my wife's and, lovely art. It's. Uh, and mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll. We'll get um, get him in here for a book signing or something. Heck yeah! And we'll also maybe next Halloween work something out around Halloween season. That'd be cool. We're only in West Palm. Spooky. Oh yeah, and not I'm, too far. Not too far. I'm always in. I'm always in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, so. Too. Yeah. So and um, we can also find us. Uh, I did a local television show here in Tampa Bay called eerie travels and they put the first season up on youtube so if you didn't see it on that local channel you can find that on youtube just look up eerie travels or if you go to eerie florida or eerie travels.com you'll find it too so awesome and they can get your book on your website directly too you can get it directly from us you can also get it from anywhere fine books are sold including the evil a uh but uh but you can get us just about anywhere um and um, and we're in every cvs and walgreens in the state i think uh really and uh and, uh, and i know we're in cracker barrel because i'm cracker barrel famous. of course <laughs> yeah, so. nice well you know you made it as an author when you're nice. in cracker barrel so well that, that was it ladies and gentlemen mark muncie thank you so much mark for joining us here on coquina cowboys with myself and dr narco longo everyone make sure to follow him you got instagram at erie florida make sure to follow me at the one on podcast and old underscore world underscore florida for narco longo make sure make sure to check us out on there and hit like subscribe share this video with your family and this was awesome mark thank you so much for coming on again man uh, thanks again guys and you all have a happy happy new year and uh, we'll see you on the other side as we used to say at the haunted house and stay yeah yeah for sure i always say that too thank you guys i'm gonna be leaving goodbye say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill